Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy. Today on the show, I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry with me as we w- recap the weekend in college baseball, particularly with Auburn as a very disappointing, about as disappointing as against weekend for the Auburn Tigers as they did not win a game in the Auburn Regional and are, are out of the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to you about our thoughts on that we'll also have kevin ives to talk about it a lot be his final chat with him for the year he'll be on at five o'clock today not four o'clock of course we'll have all your phone calls on the auburn bank phone line throughout the program we also get into a few college football topics and some atlanta Braves stuff and much much more of course best and worst of the weekend will be towards the end of the show as well and uh, a nightly tv guide and birthdays and sports again ryan tom and brant with you here on this monday we'll start with brant brant how are you doing today i'm all right i think you hit the nail on the head with it just disappointing just not not good enough from auburn a team that had its ups and downs for sure and but this past weekend was a down when when you couldn't have a down and uh it just upsetting that the offense was as bad as it was the pitching wasn't as bad as it was early in the season but it certainly wasn't uh was not good enough uh and the offense struggling i think is is the the thing that most people are going to come away with just you know it's hard to win games when you can't score i don't care what sport you're playing and uh auburn just couldn't score they they had a a couple of singles they had a, a decent amount of hits but none right after the other they weren't they had a really bad i can't remember what the percentage was but they were really bad with runners in scoring position just it, it, just flat out i i don't want to say poor effort because i i don't want to judge the kids you know want to i don't say i want to say they weren't trying hard enough but it, certainly the execution was not good enough tom pv also on the show tom how are you doing <clears throat> uh you know i'm i'm uh, i'm good uh, for me personally, it was a good weekend. Got to go and watch the Biscuits game against the Trash Pandas. Got to watch Sonny Deshera get a uh, get a hit. And then, of course, yesterday, a game I was not at, he hit a monster uh, bomb onto the railroad tracks. So it w- that was nice. Um, it's been fun watching other people play baseball. It's been watching other people play softball. Um, when we get into best and worst, I have a really cool best that I'm going to talk about that involves the Women's College World Series uh, going on right now. A lot of cool stuff going on there. However, yeah, that Auburn performance was about as stink up the house as you could possibly imagine. Uh, considering the way that they finished the season, they, they had the nine wins in a row, all the series that they won over number one LSU, over then number two South Carolina, the sweeps over uh, Ole Miss and Missouri at the end, and a win in the first game of the SEC tournament against Missouri. You really thought that this team had figured out something. They had put something together. The two losses in the SEC tournament, you're like, hmm, that stings. 
but not a big deal. We got a host, you know, we're, we're good to go. And yeah, that like Brent talked about, just couldn't figure it out. Um, the offense was terrible. Uh, I believe I read something like in 15 total innings of baseball, they had four hits like through that stretch. Uh, you're not going to win any kind of baseball winning doing that. Uh, you're just not. And then to make the sting even worse is if Auburn could have just taken care of business, Clemson got knocked out of their regional, Auburn would have been hosting a super regional. But you didn't take care of business. The uh, Brant really summed it up great. The pitching was not really great, but it was okay enough. Jazz had no offense. I, I mean, none. The bats just completely went away. Uh, and I know we're going to have some callers who are like, why Why did this happen? Why did they choose it? No, it, it's not that they chose to do that. It's baseball. Sometimes you get hot. Sometimes you get cold. Unfortunately for Auburn, every single bat in that lineup went ice cold uh, once you got to the postseason. I can't explain it. Nobody can explain it. That's baseball. That's just what happens. There are some bats that get scorching hot. There was a guy yesterday from TCU hit three home runs, including two grand slams. Sometimes you just get hot, and sometimes you just cannot buy a hit, and that's what happened. And so now Auburn's at home watching everybody else play. Yeah, for me, I I think to give my two cents before we go ahead and make a a quick trip to the Auburn Bank phone line or an early trip to the Auburn Bank phone line is uh, the lack of powerful hitting. Auburn did not have an extra base hit this weekend. <laughs> no. Yeah. Which there yeah. was only one game all season long where they did not have an extra base hit. And they did not have an extra base hit uh in this in this series or in this uh regional. And it it was obviously compounding the problem of yes, in the first game, Penn walked a bunch of hitters and Auburn was able to generate some base runners, but they went uh, oh, for something, I think, or, or one for 10, something in there with runners in scoring position. My, I think it was no for. I think they were over until uh, the game against Southern Miss. So they had no clutch hits, and also they had no powerful hits. And, of course, this team, as with just about any team in college baseball this year, I think the number they showed on the, on the TV broadcast this weekend was with that uh, every team – in the country was averaging 1.1 home runs per game. That means no matter who you are, on average, you're going to walk into the park and you're going to hit one home run. There's so many kids in the SEC this year that hit 20 home runs, so many kids in the country that hit 20, 25 this year. And again, the kind of pace, if you were to project that out onto like 162-game pace as if they were major major leaguers, that's 55, 60 home run pace. And again, that was dozens of people in college baseball this year that hit 20-plus home runs. So obviously the bats were very lively. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think that that was really the the pitfall of Auburn's offense was the those no power. Uh, they had the typical singles they have, I guess, when you mounted what they had against Southern Miss. They had two vastly different approaches, which was interesting. Against Penn, they worked counts a lot, and they they were able to work some walks, but only had, I think, three or four hits for the entire game. And then Southern Miss, they swung early. They were swinging at one at one and two pitches into the at-bat, trying right. to generate, hey, whatever is a, a hittable strike, we need to go ahead and hit this, because clearly we did not make the most of full count and late count opportunities against Penn. And and that didn't work either. They had a lot of lazy fly outs and, and 
again, just generated no power this weekend. Again, pitching-wise, I agree with you guys. You give up three runs in a college baseball game. The pin, I know the timeliness of one of the home runs was bad because Auburn had just taken a brief 2-1 to lead. Uh, so I know the timeliness there was not good. But overall, you give up three runs in a college baseball game with this offense, that should have been fine. I mean, ERAs are high in college baseball. Four or five is a good ERA uh, this year. And so giving up three runs, really they did their job. Uh, and then, of course, as extras went on, gave up some runs, I believe, in the 11th. Southern Miss, obviously, off to tough start. Seven runs is not great. But I think, again, the damage was done in the pin game because you walked into that game knowing that you had a path of Penn and Samford to get to the regional final, and then you don't go out there and play well and certainly don't hit well. Like To me, that, that showed me that Southern Miss's game was not going to go well because you were already playing the quote-unquote bad team or at least the lesser of the teams. And they went out there and, and had three or four hits for, for the entire game. So to me, that, that seemed like a tough mental hurdle just to climb the next day because, all right, Southern Miss is not going to be any easier. And you knew that the path was about as doable as it could get. And yet you still laid an egg on Friday night. Uh, and I think that just set up a, a, a Saturday deal where it was always going to be an uphill climb. It's a h- uphill climb to come out of the loser's bracket no matter what time, but then to have to play the other, again, uh, using air quotes because we're seeing how it's turning out here, but the, the other best team in the regionals, the one waiting for you Saturday afternoon, it felt destined to fail from the word go once once you um, once you got into trouble with Penn and, and got into the middle innings with no offense. Yeah, I will say, though, credit to Penn. They're playing Southern Miss in the final right now. And I believe they're up five to one in the third or the fourth, somewhere kind of early middle of the game. It's uh, credit to them for coming out and doing it. You know, and it looks if the score that they have holds right, the score that they have right now holds, they'll be through to the supers. And I don't think anybody really expected that. I think uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I mean, well, and I mean, really, you can kind of look at that. I mean, that's been what's happened with a lot of these regionals. Yeah. There, there's some that have gone the way you kind of expected them, but I mean, a lot of them haven't. That's why you play these games in the postseason. I mean, sometimes the sometimes the crazy stuff happens, just like it does in the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, yeah, I mean, Penn Penn could be potentially be the the, the group uh, the team going out of out of this regional, and that's crazy. They were the four seed. Now, leading up to the broadcast. Of the Auburn game, the one thing that was talked about is they might be one of the best four seeds in the tournament. But, you know, you still thought that, you know, it's Penn, it's Ivy League school. They don't have the caliber of players that you would expect at Auburn. But they had the caliber of pitchers. And uh, they took care of business. They did. They certainly did. And uh, we'll have more thoughts on the the rest of the regionals and – uh, what's going on with uh, with the end of the Auburn Regional? Brooks is at that one uh, between Penn and Southern yeah. Miss. He's not going to end up missing a single pitch of the Regional this weekend. Good for him. Let's go to our Auburn Make phone line for the first time today, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing? Uh, how are you doing, Ryan? Hi, Brent. Hey, Tom. Hey, what's up? Doing well, man. How you guys doing? Tom, you behaving today, right? I am doing the best I can. Hey, Ryan and Brent, you got you to teach Tom how to behave. We're yep. doing our best. We certainly try to do that. Hey, um, I was going to ask you a question. First, I wanted to talk about um, 
Auburn baseball. They had a good year. Um, yeah, they did. They uh, the hitting wasn't good. My dad was talking about the pitching wasn't good. Um, and he guys said that Clemson lost in their regional. If Auburn was going to host a super regional, if they have won, if beaten Southern Miss, and Auburn hosted a uh, super regional, who would Auburn have played? Tennessee. They, yeah, Tennessee is who won that Clemson uh, regional, so the Auburn would have played Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, like I said, I have to give I have to give Auburn um credit. <clears throat> they did play they did have a good season, but since the regional wasn't good enough, they weren't hitting the, they weren't hitting like when they were playing against um t- some of the SEC teams and um and baseball and stuff like that, but uh I have to get. I have to give them. I have to give them credit. They did have a good season, and um, then I want to talk about softball and then uh, recruiting for uh, for uh, for football. First part of softball. Uh, a friend of mine. I think I told you guys this before, and you guys can say this on your guys' opinion. Uh, a guy named Carster Car- used to be like a principal at Tallahassee High School, and he's been a football. And he's saying that um, he's not very happy with softball right now, and we, he said we need some hitters for softball, and he doesn't like Mika Dean. And so do you think Auburn for softball can recruit? And then probably do you think that Mickey Dean will stay around for softball head coach, or what do you guys think? Yeah, no, I think that definitely Auburn's going to have a lot of work to do uh, this offseason recruiting hitters because they've already lost uh, Bree Ellis, who was such a big part of that lineup. They've had a couple other players depart, and uh, I, I really think that they're going to have to do a lot of work in the portal, too, to be able to make up for some of the losses they've had. Uh, as far as Mickey Dean, he signed that contract extension prior to last season. Uh, I, he will absolutely be the coach coming into next year. Again, that that's it's a fine line uh, between um, you know his his seat being hot or not. But uh, they they've been very close to breaking through. But at some point, they will have to break through um, and, and get into a, a super regional and and be a top fifteen team, top ten team in the country at some point. But uh, they've been knocking on the door. They've been close. But but he will continue to be the the head coach. So Tom and um, Brent, what do you guys think? Uh, same thing. I, he signed a, he signed an extension, so he's going to be here. But uh, some things are definitely going to have to change. Like Ryan said, they're going to have to you know quote unquote break through. Uh, they got to figure out what what's going on with the transfer portal and why so many are leaving. If there's an NIL deal that is the reason for that, then they need to fix that. If there's something else going on, then that needs to be addressed. But you know you can't lose a star like Bree Ellis to the transfer portal. You got to try to keep them here. Um, but you know what? You, you got to fix whatever's wrong because obviously there's some things that are not going completely right right now. Uh, and if he wants to be here for the long term, then they're going to have to figure that out. Okay. And then the question I want to talk about football is: I just saw Auburn got a commitment from the junior defensive back, um, Charles Anthony. So, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, he goes by uh, Champ Anthony and. Uh, he's a JUCO guy. This is uh, an ad for Auburn that obviously is very late in the process. Um, I, I don't expect him to see major time on the field. He might be 
um, second or third on the depth chart, but he's not going to start. And again, just just a depth add for the Tigers. So, so all three. Next question for all three of you guys, and then I'll get back to uh, football, and then I want to do some trivia. Um, so for bat for for basketball, who do you guys see as the starter? point guard and probably the smart forward and center for basketball. Do you guys see do you guys see still see uh maybe Dawson the starter or the recruitment that Harvard got for basketball? I, I think for uh the starting point guard job that's gonna be very interesting. Obviously I think Donaldson would enter the summer uh with a little bit of a lead there, but the ceiling for Holloway is so tantalizing it would not surprise me if Holloway ended up starting, but it really could go either way at point guard. And then for small forward, I think it would, would be Chad baker Mazzara, the, the transfer uh, out of JUCO, formerly New Mexico State. I think he would be uh, the, the lead candidate to be the starting small forward. He's such a good shooter so far in college and very long and can probably uh, defend multiple positions. So I, I, think, I think point guard is too close to call right now. And we might get a better indication when Bruce Pearl meets the media in the fall. But uh, I think Chad baker Mazar would probably be the lead candidate for small forward. So, uh, um, <clears throat> Tom, yes. what, so do, you, do you probably see – what do you do about Williams and um, Broom? I'm, yeah, Broom and Williams and uh, the one that came back from Birmingham, another 24. Do you, do you probably see him probably – uh, a guard or a center, the Caldwell. Uh, I mean, I mean, your your centers are going to be Broom and Caldwell. Uh, I mean, those, those two are going to be your main guys. And then, uh, as far as like guards or whatever, they've got a lot of different guys that they can interchange. They can bring in different guys to to play guard. But I mean, as far as center, it's going to be it's going to be Janai Broom and uh, and Dylan Cal, uh, Caldwell. Okay, and then the question, like I said, they want to do trivia, and they got other dollars. Um, but what do you guys think about the uh, eight game for uh, next year for football? Yeah, that's uh, you know something we've certainly discussed a lot throughout the the last couple weeks. I, I'm a little disappointed. I wanted it to be nine games, or at least I want it to be nine games ultimately. But I certainly understand the temporary reason uh, for just doing it in 2024. There's no no word on, on what will happen beyond that, and there won't be for quite some time. But uh, I think 2024 will be interesting because it really could be a bunch of different opponents. It could be, uh, it could be kind of random, honestly. Uh, besides a couple of rivals, so I, I, uh, I I'm okay with it since it's just temporary. I certainly don't want it to be permanent, but at some point I want them to go to nine games. So I, like I said, I'm doing trivia, but what do you guys think about the Texas A&M Texas arrival in football? How do you think that's going to work? I know they don't like each other. And then the part of Florida, Florida State uh, football game, what do you guys think about those two big rivals? Yeah, I think for Texas and Texas A&M, I'd be surprised if that's not on the 2024 schedule. I think Sankey's probably going to have that as one of the scheduled games for those two teams. And I think think now that they're both going to be in the same league again, I think there's no reason not to play that game. And I think that both – both sides of that equation are, are ready again to renew that rivalry. Florida, Florida State is obviously not in uh, an SEC, SEC rivalry. Florida State still being in the ACC. So 
I expect that to continue. The only thing would that would murky that is if the SEC went to nine conference games and four to try. You know, teams didn't want to play another Big Power Five opponent outside the SEC. But I still think those teams can handle at least one Power Five opponent. So I expect that Florida Florida State game to to go on. So Tom and and uh, Ryan, what do you guys think about those two big rivals? Yeah, I think, like Ryan said, that's a priority for Greg Sankey, uh, getting those rivalries back on the schedule, uh, Texas and Texas A&M especially. I feel like that one will absolutely be played next year. Okay, the truth I want to do is how about Major League, how about Major League, uh, Major League Trivia and Junior Baseball Trivia? Major League Baseball Trivia. All right, we can do that for you. Uh, do you want current Major League Baseball Trivia? Uh, what? Uh, trivia, trivia from this year, basically. Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Who leads the major leagues in home runs? Who leads the major league in home runs? Which player? Yes. Which player leads the major leagues in home runs this year? Uh, I would have to say Ron Cooley Jr. Good guess. Acuna has hit some home runs, but uh, not quite. The hint is this player will be playing against the Braves this week in their very next series. Is it Angie Twasson? No, not quite. Uh, you, would you like the team that he plays on? Uh, yes. New York Mets. New York Mets. But he, he was a former Brave. No, this guy's always been a Met. Um, let's see. Oh, wait a minute. He's won some home run derbies before. I would, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Uh, did he play outfield? No, he's a first baseman. Only got a few more seconds. Uh, Someone, is that Olsen? Uh, I give up. Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets. Okay. Uh, We'll give you one more here. Okay. Which Major League Baseball team has the best record so far this year? Uh, Is it the Braves? Not quite. Braves do have a good record, and they do have the best record in the National League, but an American League team has the best record overall. Best record in the American League. Uh, Austin Red Sox. Right division, right division, but wrong team. Uh, Los Angeles Angels. Nope, no longer the right division. It's in the American League East. It's not Seattle. I don't think it's Seattle Mountains. Nope, they're in the West. Can you give me a letter? Or a hint? <laughs> Start uh, pretty close to here ge- geographically. It starts with a T. Texas Rangers. No, they're, they're their minor league team plays in Montgomery. Their minor league team is the Biscuits. Oh, 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 oh I know who it is. It's um, it's, oh, I had all the names when I was when I had it. Not Texas Rangers. Five, 
four, three, two. I give up. Tampa Bay Rays have the best record in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I, I knew, I knew because I had like it has a whole bunch of just all the all the teams and stuff of that. So yeah, um, because so how so what do you guys think about you think Auburn is getting close to football? And I know <clears throat> Ryan and Brent. I know you guys tell me when you get a little bit closer to football to ask you how Auburn's going to do. And like I said, it's like 143 more days to football season starts. So, again, what, how many games do you think Auburn will win? And, Tom, you can jump into what would Auburn's final record be in this year's football and would they probably make the SEC championship or what would you think would be a good bowl? Yeah, this will have to be one of our last things, Matt, because we'll have to take a commercial break. But uh, I, I think that they're going to go either seven and five or eight and four, yeah. and, and they will not be going to the SEC title game. Yeah. Right. I, I'm 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 saying eight wins. What bowl do you think they'll probably go to? It, it Some, something in Florida. Or? Something in Florida. Like out, Outback Bowl, maybe. Uh, so I think. They renamed it to something. I, oh, did but, they? Uh, <coughs> maybe Music City Bowl if they're 7-5. That's why I was thinking Music City yeah. Bowl. If they're 8-4, and four, they'll make a Florida Bowl. You guys don't see Auburn going to Gator Bowl? I don't know. It, it would be a, uh, It would depend on how other teams do as well. But 8-4 and four would definitely put them in the running. Say that again? How about their Birmingham Bowl? God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> you know that would be if they went six and six or so. Uh, but it has happened before; it's possible. Well, hey, Mike Wardan Steve says my time's up, and I know uh, Wardan Steve. If you're listening, don't talk a whole bunch. Listen to what Tom and Ryan and Brent guys say, and War Eagle Wardan Steve and James War Eagle. And uh, I'll probably talk to you guys next Monday if you guys get Bruce Pearl on here and um, and stuff. And when you guys get JJ and stuff for that. And Sean, if you're listening, call. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Matt. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our first commercial break of the show today. When we come back, James from Montgomery will join us. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this sunny Monday afternoon. Starting to get hot. Starting to get hot. You got to about 90 this weekend. Yeah. Sniffed it, it for a moment. It, it's, it still has not gotten oppressive hot or uncomfortable hot, as we have discussed. It's still doable. 
Yep. It's a doable warm, but... Hey, we made it to June still doable. That's not bad. That, yeah, I mean, no, normally by now we've already hit hundreds several times, and so I, I just know, I know the pressure cooker is about to hit us. Probably, probably about the time I go to the beach in July. Oh, it yeah. will just be skin melting off of you, hot. Yes, at least you have at least you have that kind of beach breeze there. Yeah, well, it didn't help last year when we were down there. That was, <laughs> that was brutal hot. Well, I, I would project some of the same here about a month out. But oh, we'll yeah, I'm sure. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. Next up on the program, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, the first thing that I want to get to is the Auburn uh, football season that's coming up. Um, what will be like the final record for this year's Auburn uh, season? Yeah, so we were just talking to our buddy Matt from Towsie, who uh, said hello to you, by the way, James. And uh, yeah, and uh, I, we told him about seven and five, eight and four, somewhere in there. Uh, I know that uh, there's always optimism for something better than that, but I think that would be a decent starting point for year one. And uh, obviously Auburn's got Georgia and Alabama at home, so they will they will probably hang in those games certainly a lot better than they would if they were on the road. But still, it's going to be an uphill climb for some of these bigger uh, opponents this year. But I, I think about seven to eight wins is a good place to start. Okay, so if we have like seven to eight wins, that will make us either go to Atlanta or maybe I will actually see – Auburn actually goes to Atlanta or actually seeing Auburn go to like a Birmingham Bowl. But instead of playing where the Birmingham Stallions play, they should play in Legion Field. That's pretty much where they should play like not a bowl game, but more of like next year's down the line. Uh, I'll probably see like down the line in the near future, I'll probably see like a, uh, a Iron Bowl being played in Legion Field as well, you know, just to get the fans, you know, the 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 history of that of that uh, rivalry as well. And then if they play that game in Legion Field, they should play uh, Auburn. Should have like the old, uh, like I'll probably say like the 1970s, 1950s uh, throwback uniforms for both teams as well. Yeah, so I, I will I will say with great confidence that the Iron Bowl is not going to go back to, to Legion Field. Yeah. It's going to continue to rotate between Jordan-Hare Stadium and Bryant-Denny Stadium. They, I'll tell you this. They're going to tear down Legion, Legion Field before an Iron Bowl has ever played there again. Yeah, I you know they built the new stadium, protective stadium, because Legion Field was not well-kept. It was old. It was, it's in a, I can tell you from being from Birmingham, it's in a horrible part of Birmingham. Yep. It is a, not a desirable place to be, so... Uh, it, they they're going to keep doing stuff at Protective Stadium. I, I, I certainly understand there's great history at Legion Field, and and it certainly served a great purpose for a long time. The first SEC title game was there, and obviously the Iron Bowl for a long time. But yeah, the the old gray lady is 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 out of commission for for the most part at this point. Okay, so if they if they're going to like tear down that stadium, I mean they should tell uh, a lot of. You know, a lot of Alabama fans and Auburn fans to, you know, come to uh, Birmingham to actually get, like, uh, pieces of, like, of the rubble that that they, uh, that they're going to actually uh, demolish. And, and that way, you know, some people, uh, some older 
Auburn fans or older Alabama fans can actually frame that and wants to have like, you know, like a a family discussion, like grandchildren and great grandchildren, they can actually tell the history of, of that stadium and, and what like what pieces they'll pick up from the rubble and they'll say, Oh, this is the seat that I sat in for the first Iron Bowl when I saw uh Joe Namath, you know, or you know, some some are some of the famous Auburn players that that are no longer with us as well. Yeah, you know that that's a uh, interesting concept. I, again, if I, I'm not aware currently of the plans to tear it down, that it might stay up for a while. I, I really don't know. Uh, but but yeah, I mean that would be something very interesting to be able to do if they did tear it down. Yeah, because I mean I actually would like to actually see that. Uh, you know, come about, you know, because it's a lot of Auburn fans like myself and many others that, that have a lot of history with Iron Bowl. And, and basically for me being an Auburn fan, I've, I mean, you know, I, I could actually, I, I have a lot of tickets in my Ziploc bag and I pull one of them out. And I tell a lot of, you know, people, Hey, this is the game that was at. And they was like, Oh, you know, I, I told them that the last time, last year I was at the A-Day game and it was raining. It was during that game I was there in the rain. And I knew that we were going to have a good season this year. Oh, so you, so you believe because it rained at, uh, at A-Day that Auburn's going to have a big year this year? Yes. And a lot of other Auburn fans, they were saying – Oh, we're not going to have a good year. Uh, Hugh Freeze is not going to be a good coach for us. We need like coach Deion Sanders. And I was like, you know, I was telling a lot of other people, just give coach Freeze a chance. You know, he's won bowl games. He's took, he's actually taken a team like Old Miss to a bowl game. You know, he was the coach at Old Miss, if I'm mistaken. Uh, no, you're correct. He was at Ole Miss for, for several years. And, you know, a lot of people there are saying, oh, Hugh Freeze is not going to take Auburn to a bowl game. Yes, Auburn has been to multiple bowl games. I can actually tell you how many bowl games Auburn has been to, how many games Auburn has won or lost in those bowl games. I remember one bowl game that Auburn actually went to was the Gator Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or the Outback Bowl. I remember the Outback Bowl because we had – uh, at one point in time, we had uh, uh, our former head coach, uh, uh, I think it was uh, Coach uh, Gus Malzahn. And, and Malzahn was there in, in, in Tampa. And we, we actually won that game. And that was, the, that was the game that I was really looking forward to seeing Auburn win. We went to... Uh, we played the Oregon Ducks, and we beat them. And that was one of the memorable games that I will never forget as an Auburn fan because I know we had uh, Philip Lexenkirk and did one of the most iconic things that i never seen an Auburn player ever do, come back with Cam Newton. You know, and I think that – you know, a lot of people saying that Cam Newton is not coming back in the NFL. Yes, he is. He's already coming back. He's saying that he's going to come back to the NFL and play for a different team. So I think Cam Newton should play 
in the NFL and win a Super Bowl and go to the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, so a couple things there. You were kind of remembering Gus Malzahn as offensive coordinator when Auburn mm-hmm. went to the national title game in 2010 out in Arizona when they when they beat Oregon in that. They did go to the Outback Bowl with Gus Malzahn as head coach in 2019, but they unfortunately lost to Minnesota in that one. And then, yeah, as, as we've talked about on the show in the past, you know, Cam Newton obviously trying to get back in the NFL, but uh, right now it's not looking good for him. I mean, he, uh, he's having to basically beg for a job, and uh, I just I just don't think at this juncture it looks like an NFL team is going to give him another opportunity. Well, if an NFL team is not going to give him an opportunity, I'm going to just say this out, like, you know, in the near future is, uh, Hugh Freeze doesn't have a good coaching career. I'll probably see um, I'll, I'll probably see Cam Newton in his near future coming back to Auburn and actually being a head coach for the Auburn Tigers as well. I'll probably say that as well because he has um, he, he he looks like a a good uh, Auburn coach, uh, Auburn football coach that I can actually see coaching Auburn as well. Yeah, we'll just have to see. I, I, I personally I would find it hard to believe that Cam would go down the, the coaching route uh, post-playing career, but you never know. He'd have to work his way up. He certainly wouldn't go uh, straight into a head coaching job in, in big-time college football if he wanted to go that route. But uh, I, I don't I don't know. Long way to go there to see if he ends up trying to, to coach himself. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, obviously Auburn has always looked for some guys with SEC ties or certainly Auburn ties, but – Again, I, I I don't know if Cam will ever go down the coaching route. Yes, and then um, with the uh, Auburn baseball for over the weekend, I, I was very upset of seeing Auburn actually playing the elimination game against uh, Missouri, if I said that right. Yeah, so Auburn played uh, Penn on Friday night, and they played Southern Miss on Saturday. Oh, okay. So it was uh, Southern Mississippi on Saturday night. And I was, I was trying to, you know, trying to do everything that I can as an Auburn fan to bring our team back. And it was, it wasn't what I expected out of Butch Thompson, but we had a great run this year. But maybe next year I will have to see if the transfer portal will open up and see who we're going to get for the 2024-2025 baseball season. Yeah, I'm sure Auburn will will definitely look around in the in the transfer portal, and and we'll see if they end up getting uh, someone of significance. It's kind of hard to tell uh, from from right now, because but I know that Butch Thompson mentioned right after they lost that he had a couple of recruiting calls already scheduled uh, for for that night. So I know that they're going to be working hard on it, and they will lose some players off this team, but hopefully they can bring in more high-impact players, either freshman or transfer portal players, like someone like Ike Irish, who was a great freshman this year, or someone like Cooper McMurray, who came from Kansas. So Auburn's certainly uh, been able to go both routes with getting good players, and hopefully they can keep doing that. Yes, as well, because I've seen, like, um, like Iris, I mean, he was a really good baseball player for Auburn, and I, and I see great things coming out of him. Uh, next year and maybe in the in the major league uh, in his near future and uh, seeing you know if he if he wants to take that that big step in the majors and uh, with the major league baseball draft coming right around the corner in July 
um, if Iris wants to, you know, go to the majors, I mean, Atlanta might want him or uh, the Houston Astros might want to look at him because, I mean, he's a really good hitter. I mean, he really hit moonshots as well. Yeah, he's a he's a great fundamental hitter. He uh, I think only hit five or six home runs this year, but he has a great approach. Really hits a lot of, a lot of hard line drives. He it was just a freshman this year, so he's not draft eligible for a couple of years. But Auburn will certainly feel fortunate to have him for the next few years. Yeah, because I know uh, we did when they actually did when Auburn actually hosts the regionals there at uh, Plainsman Park. Um, I mean, do you see any? Um, Anything in the near future for Plainston Park? Like, um, do you see anything major changes to the ballpark itself, like the stadium itself? Yeah, so they actually announced a, a plan in, in place at the end of last year, uh, maybe beginning of this year, to uh, have some renovations at the ballpark. They're going to have seating above the monster and uh, the, the green monster in left field. Uh, they're going to have kind of a uh, a patio area type of deal over right field's uh, facility. And then they're going to have uh, expansion of the kind of overhang that, that shelters some of the sections of the ballpark. They're also going to put in some suites down the first base line. So they got three or four different things they're looking at doing. And uh, I believe in July they're going to start uh, with some of the construction on that. Okay, because I know um, the last few years I've been to Plankton Park, I know – they were saying, like some uh, baseball fans were saying that they seen like baseballs actually left the stadium and actually hit people's cars. And I, I don't know why would people park their cars that close to a stadium like that. Yeah, so probably referring to a few foul balls that have uh, gone astray. There is a parking lot right behind Plainsman Park, uh, really two. One's really small. It's kind of for... Uh, the baseball facility itself, and then there's the the bigger one where uh, Beard Eves Memorial Coliseum is, and then the uh, the Auburn Rec Center. But uh, if you park close enough, you can have a foul ball hit you. Um, people try to stay away from from that close, but it is kind of a, a risk it type of deal. And and sometimes when that parking lot gets full, you have no choice anyway. So uh, definitely, no one is is wanting that to happen. But sometimes they they got to park close and, and risk it. Final thoughts for us today, James, and we got to let you go. Um, my final thoughts would actually have to be uh, with Game Three coming in Wednesday. I'll probably see the Denver Nuggets take uh, Game Five, actually. But I got to see what Game Three is going to be like before I go to Game Five uh, this coming up Thursday and uh, seeing if if my predictions are right for game five, but I'm going to see what's going to happen this Wednesday night and, and see if Denver is going to actually, uh, if Denver is going to sweep Miami uh, Wednesday and uh, Thursday in Miami back to that. Yeah. Wednesday and then Friday will be those games in Miami, but uh, you're going nuggets in game five, regardless of what happens here in the next two games. Yes, as well. So I just have to keep my hopes up and keep my promise and uh, see what happens with the Miami Heat. They're not going to win the NBA Finals. Not this time. I'm sorry, Heat fans. If y'all out there uh, in Miami, I'm sorry. This is not y'all's year of winning it. It's going to be Luka Doncic winning the NBA Finals and winning the the Lynn Lane Bryan Trophy and getting that ring and, and seeing – his name being up there in Denver with some of the great 
Denver uh, Nuggets players of, of the past as well. Oh, yeah, Nikola Jokic. I think you said Luka Doncic. I think you were thinking I mean, about your Mavericks guy. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Hey, one day, uh, one day, hopefully, Luka will, will win a trophy there. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Joker would uh, have his have his moment and uh, put his name up there as well. We shall see. Well, we appreciate the phone call today, James. All right, sounds good. And I do have a great trivia for you all on tomorrow as well. Are, are you going to be asking us the questions, or are we going to ask you no. the questions? No, 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 no. I got a, I got a good uh, trivia that I want to actually do on tomorrow's show as well. Okay. Do we? Do we? Can you tell us what that is, or do we have to wait till tomorrow? Um. Well, it. I'll have to tell you all that on tomorrow as well. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to it. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Already down to just a couple minutes left in this hour uh, as it has uh, flown by. want to tell you about, again, a, uh, a, a tournament for a good cause. The uh, Alabama Sheriff's Youth Ranches uh, are, are putting on a memorial tournament in honor of the eight children that lost their lives on that I-65 accident back in June of 2021 uh the golf tournament will be held at the robert trent jones grand national in opelika on june 20th so that's about two weeks away so two weeks the next tuesday or it's a tuesday uh and again it benefits the alabama sheriff's youth ranches uh at the tournament there will be a morning and afternoon tea time option morning tea time players will enjoy breakfast a round of golf coca-cola products a catered lunch and awards Ceremony after tournament play. Afternoon tea time players will enjoy a catered lunch, a round of golf, Coca-Cola products, and an awards ceremony after tournament play. First place gross and net division winning teams from both tea times will win a spot in the Tournament of Champions in 2024. Additional prizes will be awarded for second and third place winning teams. Special prizes will be awarded for long drive and closest to the pin on par three holes. Hole-in-one prize opportunities will also be available the price for a four-player team is $600. Sponsorship levels range from $200 for a whole sponsorship to $5,000 for the titanium level with increasing benefits given to the higher tiers. Silver, gold, platinum, and titanium sponsors receive at least one team in the event and recognition for their support. Please call Pat Downing at 334-462-0432. Or call the administrative office at 334-213-2071 for more information on honoring these young people uh, through this charitable event. And the website for that is www.alsyr.org. Just a moment left here in hour number one. Had a couple phone calls in hour number two coming up. We'll have a chat with retired War Dam Steve. We'll also have birthdays and sports, more thoughts on the regionals, as well as some college football banter. And then in hour number three, uh, Kevin Ives, he is Plainsman Parking Lot, will join us uh, to recap the regional and the Auburn baseball season as a whole. Maybe look forward to the offseason a little bit. And then also best and worst of the weekend will come up towards the end of hour number three. Tom says he's got a great uh, best. I've already got my worst, which I'm passionate about, so we're off to a good start on on that front. All right, there's a microphone. I have a worst that I'm very passionate about, too. Absolutely. All right, so we're out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. More Sports Call coming up after this.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan, the boy, Brant Daughtry, and Mr. Tom Peavy here this afternoon. Yep, yep. Who has a mic this time? Yes. I get distracted. It's sometimes. Okay. I it's there's a lot to do back well, here. Well, sometimes I just talk. Well, and that that's what we want you to do though overall. Okay. I would rather you talk than not talk. So uh, you're doing your job. 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line this afternoon. Let's go right back to it. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Well, let's get right down to it, guys. <clears throat> that sucked. It yes. did. Uh, no ifs, ands about it. Uh, I unfortunately uh, allowed myself to watch the entire uh, innings, uh, both games, and uh, should have known better, right? And, uh, you know, I was hoping, okay, they can turn this around. But, you know, what really uh, just, uh, I said, Tom, I thought about you the whole damn time. I said, well, Tom keeps telling me, and I guess I haven't listened. Enough, as Matt says, uh, anything is possible. Anything can happen in baseball. Well, we should have, you know, a poster with our baseball team on it in the locker room of the baseball team that says anything can happen and have those two games on there. And by the way, you remember, maybe you don't, but uh, the punt down a punt game, uh, well, when I was around for that game, the uh, uh, sticker came out. And it said, I got one, but bam, a punt. Well, someone on Twitter suggested a bumper sticker be made uh, that says, but, pin, bunt. Yeah. Uh, God, three, how did th- that happen? Three butts in a row, and we weren't prepared for them? Good God. Yeah, I think those were a mix. I mean, I, I will say this. they Those were perfect bunts. Now, Auburn had a role uh, in that, at least with a couple of them, where – Tried, should have tried to go to first instead of get the runner at home um, because it was just too late for that. But, I mean, that was that was perfect bunting. He put it right past the dirt perfectly, kind of in between the catcher and pitcher. And uh, if you do that, then you make the defense have to make an A-plus play. And, and Auburn uh, could not make the play. And Penn was smart to keep doing it a couple times there. And uh, – that was uh, you don't see that very often, uh, certainly not. But you do see more bunting in the college game than the professional game, and uh, credit to Penn for for putting down three perfect bunts there. Well, it's going to be three in a row. Be uh, first time, okay, shame on me. Second time, shame on you. But third time, good lord, I said, you, what are we doing here, guys? I mean, and then you know the most uh, to me just, uh, I guess just appalling uh, stat. 
of all was that no Ivy League team has ever beat an SEC team. And Penn had never won a NCAA tournament game since 1990. But who does that? We made the record books for them. Right, I think the think the Ivy League teams were like zero and eleven, or I, I don't know exactly what the record was against the SEC. Obviously, they don't play much in the in the NCAA tournament, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, there from all angles of it, it was it was vastly disappointing. Um, Auburn had uh, a great pathway to be in the regional final, and uh, they they didn't take advantage, and it was a, a, a better end to what had been a a hell of a turnaround from this team. Uh, but, but again, they, they did not play well clearly uh, when it mattered most. And I'm still trying to explain it because my daughter and I were watching it. I said, well, their pitchers surely can't be that much better and talented than the pitchers in the SEC that uh, we actually hit more runs off of. Uh, example, LSU. Uh, example, South Carolina, Alabama. I mean, we hit more home runs against those teams. We had zero home runs in, in both these games. And I'm saying, come on, Bryson. Um, surely you're going to hit, hit us one home run here. Uh, come on, Cole Foster, uh, McMurray. No. Yeah, no, I mean, by and large part, yes. Obviously, Penn's not going to have as many good pitchers as any of the SEC teams. Totally understand that. But, again, in baseball, uh, they, they've got – They've got a couple guys, at least, that are good. I, I was hearing during the broadcast, due to a weird rule that the, the Ivy League has where uh, you can't play as a grad transfer in the Ivy League, some of those kids have already committed to other schools for next year. And some of them are pretty solid schools like Duke, who was a top 25 team at times this year. I think there was another uh, P5 school, maybe a Big Ten school like Indiana or something in there. Um, and so some of those kids are actually going on to play uh, in bigger conferences with, with bigger teams. So, uh, again, I don't know the partic- particulars of every single person, but that was said during the broadcast. So it's not like they – it's not like the talent gap uh, in college baseball is as wide as it is in football. When you're playing in an FBS school versus an FC- FCS school, I mean, it's up and down the line. Uh, but in baseball, that, that gap is not as large. And, and there are plenty of good kids, as, as we noted in the past, from schools like Coastal Carolina, who's a, a, a really fabulous baseball program, um, that uh, schools like that, I mean, they, they, they still bring in several good players. So uh, even though Penn is still below Auburn in, in, in talent and that sort of thing, it's, it's not the night and day difference that maybe it would feel like in another sport. Right. I'm listening to you, and that's all well and good. However, I've got to say this to you guys. 0 for 4 hits, you know, 4 hits uh, against Penn, and then again, not one of our best. I mean, Bryson Ware, home run, you know, program history record sitting a home run hitter, not one home run in either two games, not one. Yeah, I mean, how is that? How's that possible, though? Well, I know because it happens, it's sports. Because it's sports, Steve. And, and again, these things happen. That's why they play them on the field. I mean, what if, could if, Bryson Ware figure out? Well, again, some of it's the other pitcher. Some of it is other teams doing executing their pitchers. And some of it, you just didn't have a great day. And it is frustrating. Auburn clearly, days, Auburn clearly did not play what? well. Excuse and me, I get that. Steve, that? I'm cutting you off right there. Um, Steve... Uh, again, this is sports, and we talk to you about this every single time, that 
unfortunately, human beings cannot perform the level they're capable of every single time. If they could, they would all be perfect. They would all be the very best at what they did. And there would be no need to play any of this out because we would just be able to identify the best teams and the best players and we would just write it on paper and we'd be done with it. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And although I still believe Auburn is a better team than Penn, they did not they did not do that when it mattered the most. And that was a one-game scenario for them against Penn. And unfortunately, they did not play well and Penn did. And so that's it. And if, if we could answer the whys to every single time someone does not perform well versus when someone performs well, we'd all make millions of dollars. We'd be fat and happy. And we wouldn't even we wouldn't even have to discuss it in a public forum because we just know so much. We just take it to the betters or we take it to the organization. So again, it is uh, it is certainly frustrating. I get it, uh, but 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 the ma- the fact of the matter is this happens with human beings, and it's frustrating. And, and Penn executed, and Auburn did not. Okay, one day I could accept it, but what I'm, what I'm just astonished by is this this lack of hitting, the silencing of our batters. Happened for two days in a row. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm getting at. It wasn't just one day that performance occurred. It was two days in a row. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, again, and that's that sucks. But that's why they play a lot of baseball games mm-hmm. because clearly it takes more than just a couple games in a regular season to determine uh, average outcomes and and you know guys that hit three and four hundred still have plenty of offers in, in the course of 50 60 games it's very again it sucks i get it i'm not saying it doesn't auburn did play bad and it sucks that they played about as poorly as they played all year in these two games it absolutely sucks but it's not impossible clearly auburn's not the only one that did this five other regional hosts lost this weekend they're I still yeah. they're still in the process of more arkansas is losing right now several sec teams have lost and so Again, Auburn's not alone in, in disappointing play this week weekend. And, again, it's frustrating that it happened at this time. Uh, but, but again, it happened. And then they're going to have to move on and, 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 and get, get some more good players in there and compete again next year. Well, I will, I will say that one in the video, I, I was encouraged, and I support the statement made by uh, Coach Thompson during the, the press conference after the game, that uh, getting to the regional, being a regional host is not enough. Sure. I mean, they're hungry. They're hungry in the program, and they they continued to check boxes of new things. Again, no no sequence of Auburn baseball had ever had two consecutive regional hosts, and that is something to be proud of for this team, which so clearly did not seem like it had it 30 to 40 games into the season. Now, obviously, everyone talks about the ending, but it's the same kind of concept with the men's with, with, with basketball, and the, the tournament can be a bitter end, and bitter and sudden end, and unexpected. Um, and you've got to try and balance, and it's different for every person, You know how much the regular season accomplishments mean to you versus the, the postseason. Because if you get caught up on only trying to make postseason accomplishments matter to you, then no, only one team will truly be happy at the end of the year. And, and there will be some teams that maybe be satisfied with, with a college World Series or a Final Four, that sort of thing. But every single team loses their, their last game unless you're in a, 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 a national title game that you win. So, um, again, I'm not at all trying to distract from the fact that this postseason was incredibly disappointing and that the whole weekend they did not play well. Um, but I like the attitude, of, as you just point out, of Butch Thompson, that clearly there's more to do. Clearly there's more they want to do. They're going to keep striving for that. But at the same time, know that this 
season was not an abject failure, that they did accomplish something meaningful this season, and that that's still something to build off of. All right. Well, uh, moving on, there is one team, though, I can say uh, right now that maybe uh, Tom um, doesn't apply to this team. Oklahoma softball. Yep. My gosh. You know, now they have a challenge from Stanford, apparently. Uh, I think they won two to nothing the first time, and then uh, they lost, uh, they beat Stanford again four to two today, right? Yep, in extra innings today. Yep. Uh, So that, I mean, Stanford must be uh, a pretty, uh, Pretty talented team to uh, stay in the ball game with them. Yeah, they had they had an expert pitcher who's actually a freshman this year, but she had a sub one ERA that was pitching in both those games, so she was able to hold Oklahoma down a little bit. So, gee, Manny, uh holy crap! Wait till they uh, come to the SEC. It'll be uh, <laughs> it'll be bedlam. It's gonna be tough. Okay. Yeah. Be it'll tough. be uh, yeah, it'll be tough to say the least. All right, guys, real quickly uh, from Bleach Report. I did not know this. Uh, you probably do because I don't follow baseball that well. But this gentleman uh, for the uh, Marlins, Aurarius uh, Gwynn, is that his name? How do you pronounce it? A R R A E Z, Gwynn. I, I know of Luis Arise. Um, okay, the, yeah, yeah but the, Luis Arez, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Did, you, did you know what he's doing? He's in like 390 this year. Yeah, he's been three ninety two. Yeah, he's been tremendous. He had like a yeah. five for five day the other day or something like that. Six for well, six. Well, apparently to these staff from Bleach Report, uh, he has the best sixty game start in fifteen years. Uh, he has had only eleven strikeouts That's and two hundred four bats. Yeah, he came over from uh, the Twins, I believe, was his first team, and uh, was an off season deal and. He's uh, he he. I think he won the American League batting title last year or or the year before, and and he's he's a tremendous contact here. He's a dying breed. You see what happens when you put the ball in play every time, and uh, you just get some. Obviously, he hits the ball hard some, but he also gets blue pits. I mean, you know, that, would you say eleven strikeouts on the year? I mean, eleven strikeouts. There's guys that are nearing a hundred already in in sixty games. So, uh, so good for he him. He hasn't had a bad day apparently. Not many, no. not many offers. Well, the thing is, no. if, he, if he's playing with the Marlins, he won't be there for very long. Yeah, well, it's said here uh, that, uh, you know, the, he, the other teams that, you know, uh, they're playing probably better than him. Uh, uh, let's say, yeah, he says, uh, says here, the Marlins are second, of course, in the National League uh, to the Braves, ahead of the Mets and Phillies, despite the massive differences in payroll. How do they get him? Yeah, again, it was a it was a trade with the Twins. I I think they sent a pitcher over to Minnesota. I'm I'm not I don't remember which pitcher that was, but Marlins. And why did it give him away the other team? Yeah, I mean they they've had pitch. Minnesota's had pitching issues. I I really again I wouldn't have done it uh, because he's always been a good contact hitter. And again, that's I think that's getting devalued. Uh, everyone's obsessed with the, with the home run guys, but. Uh, Minnesota needed some pitching. They they're locked in a close battle in the AL Central. There's really no teams in the AL Central that are uh, really robust um, from a from a complete roster standpoint. So they were just trying to change up their their situation a little bit. But uh, again, obviously, it was a, a great get for Miami. And did you see the NBA final last night? Uh, yes, I did watch the NBA final. By the way, that pitcher was Pablo Lopez, uh, courtesy of our intern TP. Okay. All right, well, I hope they got a good, uh, good, good enough deal there. But uh, I saw where uh, the, the final seconds in which uh, I thought it was a decent uh, three, 
good point tip by. Was it Murray? Is that his name? Yeah, Jamal Murray, yeah. Yeah, uh, it almost went in. Yeah, it was a pretty good look. I mean, I've seen him hit that several times just in this postseason, and I'm usually a foul-up three guy um, because that, I mean, that was a pretty – I mean, for the situation, again, knowing that you got to get a three, I, I can live with that three if I'm Denver. And I think you were right on point that if, you know, for, uh, uh, for the Nuggets to win, you said it has to be pretty low scoring uh, for their opponent. But it didn't happen last night. But he won, what, 111 to 108? Is that was? Yeah. Yeah, they, they shot incredibly well. Uh, I was surprised. Uh, again, as you alluded to, I figure low scoring games. Uh, would favor Miami, but obviously they've won the higher of the two scoring games. Uh, I think the difference was they hit open threes last night. In game one, they they ultimately shot okay in the end when the numbers rounded out, but it felt like in the significant part, parts of the game they just could not get uh, some of their jump shots to go down from the likes of like uh, Caleb Martin and Max Struess. And so last night, Martin just didn't shoot much. He only shot three times. But Struess came out of the gates hitting a few threes, and then they got Duncan Robinson to have ten big points in the fourth. Uh, so just the timeliness of their shooting, obviously overall shooting was better, but timeliness of it too. Because they were down eight points coming into the fourth quarter, and they quickly changed that. So, uh, yeah, again, a resilient bunch, that Miami Heat team, as they've been all postseason long. And this is at their home court. Yeah, the, that one was in Denver. Now they're going home to Miami. Yep. All right. And I read a stat uh, from these stats uh, experts on, on uh, different uh, sports. That apparently, there's very little home and field advantage when it comes to the NBA and even NFL games as compared to college. I wasn't aware of that. And then I looked at this, Atlanta Braves, their standings, and then I looked at, well, how Atlanta Braves do at home and away? I was completely shocked when I saw these stats. Do you know what the record is for Atlanta Braves right now? I mean, home and away games. I've cheated and now I'm having in front of me. I know the Braves have not played well at home this year. They're horrible, fifteen and fourteen, but away twenty and ten. Yeah, baseball's and I mean baseball's advantage is is probably lesser than the other two. There is, I think, the advantage increases in the postseason because the crowd gets a little bit more rowdy. I think it's it's one of those where. Um, you know, you, the Braves usually draw well, so it's not necessarily on them. But um, the crowds just get way more uh, on top of you. They're they're a little little more. I don't want to say lax, but laissez faire. They just just kind of chill. Um, um, and, and during the regular season, and so I, I think that there are teams that are going to have that disparity in the sport. I still think if you look down the line. More teams have a better home record than road. But uh, the Braves are an abnormality this year. Well, there's only one other team that's as good as the Braves on the road. You want to guess who they are? Uh, I would have guessed Tampa, but I think they've been weak on the road as of late. I, I don't know. The Baltimore Orioles, they are also 20-10 and 10 away. Okay, same division. So, I mean, yeah. Um, again, a lot of teams, though, probably still have better home records, but those two are, are playing well on the road. And I always thought, you know, when the Braves have the best chance when they're at home, boy, was I wrong on that one. Okay. Uh, with that said, guys, hey, uh, listen, I hope you don't take a person when I interrupt you or get passionate, but uh, at least I've got three months now so I can be stress-free, enjoy the rest of the summer, because we aren't involved in any kind of sports competition, and that's a good thing for me. So 
So with that said, guys, do you think anybody other than Oklahoma will win the softball uh, World Series? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet against them. Obviously, they got a scare today. Stanford was pretty close to winning that game. They had a runner on second, no one out in the bottom of the eighth, and didn't score. But uh, I, I think it proved that you can hang in there with them. But they're just so good in every facet of the game. It's hard to pinpoint a weakness. And uh, I would again, I would be surprised if it was not them. Well, it's either FSU or Tennessee will be the opponent. Either of those teams have having the chance. Tennessee already got smoked by them 9-0 over the weekend, right. so I don't really like Tennessee's chances. Maybe Florida State could give them a game or two. But, uh, yeah, no, again, I still think Oklahoma. I think this is one of the more dominant teams we've ever seen. And I think they, they've broken all the records for continuous uh, wins, haven't they? Yeah, 51 in a row, I think it is now. Is it 51? Yeah, 51. Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh I wish we knew what they were doing because uh, I sure would like to copy uh, whatever strategy they're doing to get those people. With that said, guys, hey, thank you for letting me ramble, and uh, thank you for tolerating my passionate uh, and my, uh, at times, uh, unruly interruptions. But with that said, my time is up, and uh, I have a relaxing afternoon, and we'll uh, be more calmer and uh, less passionate tomorrow. That's a promise. So with that, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate your phone call as always. Uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to head to our next timeout of the show. Birthdays and sports coming up as we continue with the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here on this Monday afternoon. A lot of uh, busy time so far on the Auburn Bank phone line. And again, a reminder at 5 o'clock, Kevin Ives. He is Plainsman Parking Lot at AUPPL on Twitter. He'll join us at 5 to recap the Auburn Regional, uh, which may or may not have included by that moment. It's in the, I believe, bottom of the seventh now between Southern Miss and Penn, but to uh, obviously recap Auburn's part in it and then also their season, look ahead to the off season. So we'll talk to Kevin Ives about that coming up at 5 o'clock. But for now, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you, one location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. The Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Marcus Colston turns 40 today. Colston was a former wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. Colston had four 1,000-yard seasons with New Orleans, holds nine franchise records, including most receiving yards and most receiving touchdowns. Colston was a seventh-round pick out of Hofstra. Flying Dutchman. Now they're called the Pride, but they don't don't have uh, a football team anymore. 
But it, when he played, they were the Flying Dutchman. Okay. Uh, Colston was never selected to a Pro Bowl. However, many believe he's one of the great players to never get selected to a Pro Bowl, Super Bowl champion, and member of the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. Marcus Colston turns 40 today. Yep. Out of uh, Susquehanna Township High School in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. At the time, they were the Indians, and then they retired that, and then they brought it back. And right now, if you look at Wikipedia, they don't have a mascot. Uh, so they're kind of like Washington. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're the Susquehanna Township High School football team. All right, <laughs> the football team. Uh, that's probably an idea for Washington. Um, but yeah. All right, so, so that's Marcus Cole. They, they, uh, uh, Hofstra switched to the Pride in 2000. So before that, they were the Flying Dutchman. Gotcha. Zildrunas Ilgoskis turns 48. Ilgoskis was born in the Soviet Union. He's best remembered for his time with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was the 20th pick of the 1996 NBA Draft. Two-time All-Star. Member of the 07 Cavalier team that made the NBA Finals. His number 11 is retired by the Cavs. He's also the Cavaliers' leader in blocked shots. Zildrunas Ilgoskis turns 48 today. Uh, yeah, definitely no high school uh, info or college info since he didn't go to college. But he's from Lithuania. But he did play prior to the NBA at Atelitas from 1993 to 96. That is a club team in the Monas district of Lithuania. They are now called LSU Atelitas, not Louisiana State University. Right, well, I was about to say. Yeah. I mean, it, it has something to do with the Mona, the Conus uh, district of Lithuania, but Atelitas. That's you that was. Get some, bet you didn't think you'd get some Lithuania. That was you know that's his club team from I, 90, know, 93 to 96. I don't often think year. about Lithuania, but when I do. You know, Zildrunas Ilgoskis. When I do. Russ Ortiz turns 49. Ortiz played for six different teams, including the Atlanta Braves, where he was an all-star in 2003. Ortiz led the NL in wins that year, going 21-7 and with a 3.81 ERA. In college, Ortiz pitched for the Oklahoma Boomer Sooners. Boomer Sooners. And helped lead them to a College World Series championship. He finished his career with over 1,100 strikeouts and a record of 113 in 89. Straight out of Montclair College Preparatory Academy in Van Nuys, California, a school that does not exist anymore. Man, that's going on today. Well, yeah. various forms of fashion. But when they did, they were the Mounties. Mounties. Okay. Yeah, like the Canadian Mo- Mounties? I guess so. Yeah. The college, uh, Montair- Montclair College Preparatory Mounties. Uh, they ended their sports programs in 2011 and then completely closed in 2012. Yeah, sad. That's sad. Russ Ortiz, though. Ralph Mountie turns 49 today. <laughs> Ray Lankford turns 55. Lankford was a center fielder and spent the majority of his career in St. Louis, known for his combination of power, speed, and defense. His best season came in 1997 with 31 home runs in an all-star selection. Over his career, he had 238 homers, 874 RBIs, and had a 272 batting average. He was inducted into the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame in 2018. Straight out of Grace M. Davis High School in Modesto, California. Go Spartans. And then he also played college ball at Modesto Junior College. Go Pirates. All right. Ray Langford. A pirate that became a cardinal. Um, A Spartan that became a pirate that became a cardinal. Well, I was just saying from the NL Central point of view. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. you. Uh, Often. So, a bit of a rivalry, but not too bad. Uh, So, Ray Langford turns 55 today. And Jalen McCloy turns 22 outside linebacker at Auburn. McCloy McCloy was born (laughs) in D.C. as a three-star prospect out of high school, committed to play football at App State, where he played. Go Mountaineers. Yeah, I should have given you a second there, where he played for three seasons, posting nine sacks. 
Most impressive game came when App State played Texas A&M in 2022 when he had two sacks and forced two fumbles on the same play en route to a Mountaineers win. In 2023, he transferred to Auburn. Glory. Glory. Again. Uh, Jalen McCloy turns 22. Go Tigers. Uh, Friendship Collegiate Academy is where Jalen McLeod went. That is a school in inner city Washington, D.C. Go Knights. Go Knights. And then one more birthday for you, a bonus birthday today. Britt Bowen turns 32 today, coordinator of student media at Auburn University and voice of Auburn softball and Auburn women's basketball. Britt Bowen was born in Excel, Alabama, attended Auburn University. He later attended Western Kentucky for a master's degree. Go Hilltoppers, since no one else will. Eventually moving back to Auburn. He is a lifelong fan of the Atlanta Braves, the Miami Dolphins, and the Auburn Tigers. You've heard him on this program before, and certainly on this radio station. The great Britt Bowen turns 32 today. Did he go to XL High XL School? XL Panthers, yep. Oh, the Panthers, yeah. That's Panthers why I know that. I wouldn't have known it otherwise, but oh. I, I know Britt quite well. So Britt turns 32 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Britt Bowen turns 32. Marcus Colston, 40. Zildrunas Hilgoskis, 48. Russ Ortiz, 49. Ray Lankford, 55. And Jalen McCloyd, 22 today. That was a long list. So long that we need to take our next time out of the show. Back with more Sports Call right after this. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy, Brandt Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. Again, reminder, coming up at 5 o'clock, Kevin Ives will join us to talk Auburn baseball, kind of a year-in-review type of deal. Again, 5.30, best and worst of the weekend. Uh, Steve brought up something that I want to relate to some other sports when he was talking about Oklahoma softball because, again, we covered softball a decent amount this year, especially with Auburn softball coming on this station. And Oklahoma softball has one loss this year. It got me thinking. What are some of those dominant teams you guys remember ever watching? It be any sport, be college football, be pro, basketball, football, right. whatever. Well, but, but Oklahoma has one loss this year. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you have to think about, especially in women's sports because it, it – of late, it seems like that a lot of these types of runs have been in the women's sports because uh, you usually have that one really good team that loads up yeah. on, on the talent, and and so you don't have as as many competitive teams around them like you do in the men's sports. Because uh, I th- I think of some of those UConn basketball teams that it's like as soon as the season started, you're like hey, everybody else is playing for second, 
I mean, there's just no way anybody is beating UConn, and they might lose one, maybe two games in a year. But they um, won like a hundred in a row, though, at one point in oh, the yeah. program. I mean, they went sure. like three straight years. Absolutely. Not even one yeah, well, yeah. But uh, but so you think about the UConn teams. You think here now lately of what South Carolina women's basketball has been doing with Dawn Staley. Now, they got upset in the championship game this year, but you still think about what they've been doing. Um, you know, when it comes to men's sports, it's really – I mean – the run that Georgia is on right now is pretty special. Uh, I mean, we we haven't we haven't really seen that. I mean, even with some of those best Alabama teams, I mean, they haven't won. How many times have they won back to back? Just uh, once. What would that have been? 11, 11, 12? 11 and twelve, I yeah. think. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so what Georgia's pulling off right now is pretty good. But uh, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma softball—that's a that's a different beast. Uh, and Steve asked how they're doing that. Well, I mean, when you're that good, you can get the best players. And they're also kind they, of in a area that is a hotbed of softball just in the state of Oklahoma itself. So they're already in a position to where they can get some of the best talent just in that area between Oklahoma and Texas. But then they're also bringing the best from California. They're bringing the best from Florida, the best from wherever, because that is the program that you want to go to. And it, it switches. It's cyclical because it used to be Arizona back when uh, – the the head coach of Team USA was at Arizona, and I can't think of his name right now, but that was the program. Everybody wanted to go play at Arizona. Uh, in the past, there's been UCLA. That was the program everybody wanted to go play for. And just here over the last couple of years, Oklahoma has been that team. And, and so, yeah, I mean, when you're that good, again, just like when it used to be with UConn basketball, if you're a top, uh, a top high school player and you're at the top of your game, and everybody is coming after you to play college uh, sport. Oklahoma is that they they are it. And so, if you are the best of the best, and Oklahoma wants you, that's where you go. And also, if you are at another college and you end up being one of the best of the best, and you realize that Oklahoma wants you, then you're going to probably leave where you're at and go to play at Oklahoma. I mean, that's just how that is. Yeah, I think the other thing to keep in mind there is the the head coach of Oklahoma. I can't remember her name right now, but. She's been there for the better part of three decades now, and she's been she's been building to this point. She didn't just wake up and decide to do it. She didn't just get hired at Oklahoma and decide to do it. She's been there for a while. She's been building to this, and you know the the way that she has put it all together. Uh, I, talking about women's basketball more, I think of those uh, Pat Summit Tennessee teams yeah. uh, on being on that same level. Um, <laughs> when I was in high school, Mary Persons High School was. Uh, was super dominant they they didn't lose in the regular season my junior and senior year they won 20 straight regular season games i think made it to the uh, the state semifinals both years they had a player uh, their best player malik herring ended up playing at georgia uh for a couple of years um it, it, i'm trying to think of something else like in football um maybe 2004 usc i know we talk about 2004 auburn all the time but the, that usc team was really incredible uh, just to think, those Pete Carroll USC teams, not just the 04 team, but uh, everything Pete Carroll did at USC was incredible. Um, oh, the the I think it was 2015 Kentucky basketball. Yeah. Uh, who who didn't lose until the Final Four? I know they got upset by Wisconsin in the Final Four, but uh, up until that point to play what I think 34 games, 35 up to that point, and to have won every single one of them uh, is certainly a dominant effort as well. It also gets into another discussion of how much it detracts from what you think of a team if they end up falling short. Like mm-hmm. because that Kentucky team is probably like the clearest example 
for yeah. me of a team that just was on another level yet didn't win, at least in, in recent history, because they had uh, a platoon. Like they literally yeah. were so they're, good, they they're were starting, comfortable. Yeah, their starting five were the best starting five in the country, and their backup five was the second best starting five in the country. I mean, they were comfortable being able to flip out an entire unit, of which I I almost get, uh, I I get a little too upset about even 10 playing in the tournament because I like to weed it down to about eight that I trust. But, I mean, you had on that team, and I'm making sure, you know, some of these are a little um, misleading because they only had cups of coffee, but officially nine players got at least a cup of coffee in the NBA off of that team. But the the ones that everyone knows about, Devin Booker, who did not start on that team, by the way, and he's a top 10 or 15 player in the NBA right now. Carl Anthony Towns, he's one of the best big guys in the in the league. But then you had Willie Cauley-Stein, who's played in the league a long time, Trey Lyles, who's continued to play in the league, um, and then some of their other players that were good in college, like the Harrison Twins, but then Trey Lyle, or excuse me, uh, Tyler Eulis, who was pretty good in college, Alex Poitras, who was good in college, that just didn't have um, years, uh, you know, big um, – big impacts in the nba that team to not lose in this era of college basketball which is so difficult to play in a significant league it's one thing for gonzaga to do it when again no offense but they only have about four or five conference games that even make you bat an eye out of out of 18 um that kentucky team is a great example but it's hard to look at them as the total package because they didn't win the title you know like it's it's it affects you you don't want rings to mean everything, as I've stated earlier when the Steve phone call. Like there's ways to have success without having to cut down the nets or or win the absolute uh, title, but it, it hurts to be that good and not win it because you feel like, relatively yeah. speaking, you don't have what you should to show for it. And it happened in the NBA around that same time with the seventy three nine Warriors. If you yeah. win the title, you probably are resolved as the best team ever. But because you had the regular season record and won a title, but you lost, and it's a famous—it's one of the most famous losses in postseason history now, uh, mm-hmm. because of who they were. But it's like you—you you have trouble cementing that team's legacy because they didn't win the title. And so, you got another one. Well, what, what, have y'all mentioned the Patriots? Undefeated? Oh yeah, the undefeated. Oh yeah, Patriots, yeah. wow! I totally well, forgot that, about that uh, team. Undefeated you know, David Patriots. Thought up, you know, yeah, the, undefeated, Randy, the Randy Moss. Yeah. But yep. nobody, nobody hardly right. ever mentions that team anymore, even though they're the last to run the table through the regular season yeah. and through the playoffs. They get to the Super Bowl and lose. And nobody ever mentions that. Like I said, I, you know, I was like, does anybody even mention that team? Yeah, I was going through all the basketball examples because that right. came to mind first. But, yeah, that's, that's an obvious football one where, I mean, they were punking some teams. Yeah. And Brady yeah. and Moss were putting up 20 – you know, I hate to say it this way, but putting up 2023 numbers in 2007 or 8, whichever year that was, I mean, they were just thr- throwing all over the yard on them, uh, on everybody. And obviously they still had the elements of the defense the Patriots teams always had, particularly in that first decade of their run. Um, and, yeah, lost a, a very low-scoring game mm-hmm. on an incredible play by the Giants. Uh, it's kind of odd that that some of the teams that come to mind are the teams that actually did not win the title, and so that's why I asked the verification process: Do you devalue some of these? Because again, I agree that like did I have I seen a better NFL team in the last twenty years? Again, I, I apologize, I'm young and I cannot go back to the nineteen seventies, eighties, and nineties for everyone. But 
like of the last 20 years I can't I don't know if I can think of a better team than, than those Patriots no maybe but, another version of the Patriots that actually did win the title but they certainly didn't go undefeated on no. another year so I, I all mean, I'm it, using to make them better is that they did actually finish the job I mean the closest I can think of which they did finish the job was the uh the uh, 85 Bears with uh, Jim McMahon, Walter Payton, uh, Mike okay. Singletary, and all them. Sure. Uh, I definitely think, know about that legendary defense. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, the refrigerator and uh, and all that. I think they only lost one game. Uh, yeah. It was the 72 Dolphins that went undefeated, they, right? Right. They were, yeah. But oddly enough, they, it was the Dolphins. In 85, it was the Dolphins that knocked off the Bears hmm. for their only loss. It was the Dolphins. Um, but then the Bears did finish it off with just a completely lopsided win in the Super Bowl of the New England Patriots. As far as like a dominant team that maybe could have, should have, would have gone undefeated, however, the, you know, the Dolphins took care of them in that one game. Uh, you know, and I, in thinking NFL, you know, there, some of those 49er teams with, with Montana and Rice and uh, Ronnie Lott and some of those – those are pretty good, but even those teams, you know, still had a couple of losses here and there through the season. So, I mean, as far as like it nearly being undefeated, I, you know, I'm thinking the '85 Bears. I wasn't old enough to know the the Dolphins team that actually did go undefeated, but the closest in my memory with that '85 Bears team that was just stupid good. And then I don't even know how to quantify like a dominant baseball team. Because the most wins ever didn't even make the World Series. It right. was the Mariners that won, like, what, 114 yep. or something like that uh, and didn't win. TCU doesn't blown this game open, by the way. Uh, yeah, we're watching TCU Narcos on here. But um, I, I think that uh, baseball would just be difficult because there's so many so games. Many, yeah. And you have stretch. I mean, you can certainly look at rosters that were stacked, but I don't right. know if that always correlates because baseball – is a trivial thing where you could be a career three ten hitter but have a two seventy year. No, you can have a you can have two fifty five home run years and have a twenty eight in the middle of your career because you got hurt or just lost the stroke for a little while. You know, it just it just um, baseball well, seems like it just varies too yeah. much to have something truly it, dominant. It, yeah, um, I know, like the Yankees I, as an organization, sure. You know, but I mean, but, but even some of the most dominant Yankees teams have not won the World Series. So, sure. I mean, you know, um, man, you know, just like freakishly dominant MLB teams that actually won the World Series. Well, I, look at the long run the Braves had to only win one title. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, we absolutely. Were, if we were doing sports talk in the 90s and early 2000s rather than now, like we would like have a yearly debate on like how the Braves can actually get over that hump again. Because they won it relatively early in that stretch. What was it, like year five of yeah. their 14 divisions in a row? So, like, the next eight or nine years would have just been like, hey, you know, they did it once. They proved they could do it. What's preventing them? Sometimes it was the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> right. But, but you know, it was just like for that – maybe, you know, it, you could individualize things more in baseball instead of team. Like, that's the most dominant pitching staff maybe because that Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz trio for so long – in right. so many ways. Yeah, I, I think for teams. if you're looking for baseball, I think it would be easier to do dominance by individual players. Yeah. You know, and then you immediately go to like Barry Bonds or Aaron Judge last year. Yeah, uh, pool I think holes for a long time. Pool holes, yeah. Uh Chipper Jones if you want to go that far. Uh I think that I think that would be the easier metric of sustained yeah, dominance. Individualistic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh of recent, I guess the 2020 Dodgers 
Uh, of course, that was only short in sixty games. Yeah. The twenty twenty Dodgers forty three and seventeen won the World Series, but they only played sixty games. Right. Uh, I mean, nineteen oh six Chicago Cubs, nineteen oh two Pittsburgh Pirates, eighty six Chicago White Stockings, oh nine Pittsburgh Pirates, fifty four Cleveland Indians. Those are your best records. That oh one Seattle team. One sixteen and forty six, and lost God. in the ALC. You know, it's just like if any any team like that would be, that would have been the team if you win the title. It'd be like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, best season ever. I mean, I don't know how many years that team was together, right. but I'm looking through here. Like as far as most recent dominant teams in Major League, well, you'd have to go back that, that played a full season. Like I said, the 2020 Dodgers went forty three and seventeen, but it was a COVID shortened season of right. only sixty games. Uh, all of these are like in the 1800s and the 1900s, but if you go back to 1998, uh, the New York Yankees went 114 and 48 and okay. 162 and won the 98 World Series. Was that one of the times they beat the Braves? I think so. Oh, okay, it so, was. Yeah, yeah because I think they lost. They beat the Braves twice. Goodness gracious, TC is that just the same dude that has been hitting the home runs? Did he just hit another one? Yes, for those that are not knowing what's going on, because this is live radio. Uh, I'm changing. I'm changing my player of the week pick. This uh, dude for TCU is friggin' stupid. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, TCU is. Is, is that, is that literally the same dude that hit two grand slams yesterday? He's now hit two home runs today. Uh, he hit three home runs yesterday. Just one home run today. I thought, he hit, I thought he hit one earlier that we watched. No, uh, someone else had home run. Oh. The, TCU's about to send Arkansas home, for those wondering. TCU's now up 11-4. The kid that hit three home runs the other day, including two grand slams, just homered for a good measure. Arkansas has fallen completely apart. This was not oh, even technically came off. This was not even technically game seven. The Arkansas needed to win this twice to advance, and they're not going to get one. So uh, that's going to be another regional host team out. Another SEC team, by the way, that's out. They've, there's been several of these teams have been SEC teams. Uh, and uh, we'll update you on some of that a little bit. In hour number three, uh, I think last I saw Southern Miss was up 11-7 in the bottom of the eighth, so it looks like they will win the Auburn Regional over Penn. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so this has definitely been one of the more volatile uh, sequences in uh, college baseball, at least in the regional play, which, is, again, is why we wanted to bring up that dominant team debate. I'll throw you one with college baseball. Last year's Tennessee team had about as good as regular season you could have. Didn't even make Omaha. So, uh, it can it can go that way sometimes. We are out of time for hour number two. When we come back, we'll go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Kevin Ives will join us to recap the Auburn Regional and the Auburn baseball season. Stay tuned. That is next. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now right now on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. And now we're set to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line and welcome in Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPO on Twitter to recap what is ultimately the end of the Auburn baseball season. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing as well. I'm doing as well as can be expected. I mean, it was kind of a disappointing weekend, but I'm doing all right overall. Yes, sir. It was a, it was a difficult one this weekend. Obviously, uh, the Friday afternoon game got things uh, going uh, in upset fashion with Sanford over Southern Miss and kind of created a pathway that we were all excited about for Auburn. But then uh, play started Friday night, and it started to go very very poorly. What Just what happened inside of Plainsman Park for Auburn this weekend? The, the biggest issue, honestly, was the offense. I, I think it was – I don't know if Auburn got an extra base hit um, in the two games. Um, they ran into – um, a really premier pitcher at Southern Miss uh, missed. I mean, at, at Penn, and then missed Southern Miss's ace. Technically, Tanner Hall because he pitched Friday, but really couldn't get anything going offensively. And then uh, if the offense can't get anything going, puts more pressure on the pitching, and then uh, the pitching really just kind of falter a little bit towards the end. But the, the real story is just the offense wasn't able to click, and I think that was the the biggest thing. And it's it's kind of a you know a a wet fart to the end of the season after it's a really good season overall. I mean, you know, getting yourself into contention to not only make the NCAA tournament, but to make a make a make and host a regional, and then end the season with kind of four straight losses is going to have a, a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth. But it's, it's something that I think you can use for motivation next year, and something that um, should not diminish the season overall as a success for Auburn. Um, but I know there's a lot of Auburn fans that are disappointed and then you know the disappointment kind of keeps coming in waves because um you know saw that clemson lost their regional so if auburn had one would have been hosting a super regional and then alabama goes to the super regionals they'll go play wake forest and so it up being like kind of everything that could go wrong did go wrong both on the field and off the field for auburn this weekend uh, Kevin, you touched on it there a little bit. This is a team that had a bad start, uh, a really good middle, and then and kind of a disappointing ending. When you look back on this team in a couple of years, what what are you going to remember this team for? Honestly, just the excitement, just as just dealing with so many just random um, just issues throughout the year. I mean, you you go into a season where your ace is out for basically the entire year, um, and so you're having to really build a rotation from scratch and having guys step up uh, making do you you are excited about a big trip to southern california that gets rained down and everything gets kind of changed this way you go off to you kind of go you set yourself behind the eight ball in sec play um and then you got to get on a run everything kind of clicks together um you upset two teams that are now going to super regionals um and then you you know kind of you put yourself like i said into contention uh, to make a regional and then a host a regional, it's a successful season. It really is. I know the end of the year is disappointing, but from where Auburn was at the beginning of SEC play and everything they've had to kind of deal with with injuries and um, you know the struggles, you know losing games and having to win games, for what they ended up and how the you know being able to host a regional and back to back years for the first time ever, you're still making history. 
Um, you're still kind of setting the table for many more successful years to come. Um, and if anything, you're just motivated to do more. Kevin, I'm curious about the environments this year because obviously last year was such a party with how many home runs Auburn was hitting and all the runs they were scoring. When when did the nervousness start to set into the ballpark both Friday night and then Saturday? I mean, there's for me, there's always you know hope and you're, you always think you can kind of pull it out. I think there was some nervousness after the end of that Friday game and you know when it when Auburn wasn't able to kind of capitalize on anything, link anything together. Um, you kind of knew that it was going to be a buzzsaw on Saturday, and then um, Southern Miss, you know, came out early on Saturday and was up three nothing very very early in the game, and Auburn just doesn't wasn't able to recover. And so after that, yeah, kind of some of the air was out of the sails a little bit. I think from a fan standpoint, but I think you've seen throughout the years that the fans are, are still going to support and they're still cheering loud to the very end. Um, and I don't think it would affect the excitement for next year or the excitement for the program overall. I mean, things like this are rare, but they do happen. I mean, they even happened again this year. Oklahoma State went 0-2 in their home regional. And um, I think that from what you've seen from a program as a whole, the talent that is here that's going to stay here, the guys that are developed like Ike Irish and Chris Stanfield, um, the fact that we're returning a lot of pitching that's just going to get more experience, um, the excitement of an offseason to see if anybody – um, if Auburn gets any, you know, good transfers or gets a, um, you know, brings in a pretty high recruiting class, there's excitement all around. And on top of all that, just from a, the product on the field, there's excitement just what you're going to see around the park. I mean, you'll know probably, I think, Friday, the first phase of the renovations to the stadium. Um, and that's the, the first, like, major set of renovations that you're going to get outside the performance center in a long time at Auburn. And, um, you know, from the suites that are going to be put in, um, you know, how they're going to kind of expand the seating, the seating on the monster. Um, you're just continuing to, to foster this excitement about Auburn baseball, um, and it's all positive to me. Talking to Kevin Ives, he is at AUPPL on Twitter today on Sports Call. Kevin, one more for you from the regional before we move on to some other uh, baseball items with uh, other regionals going on and the big picture for Auburn. Uh, I was curious about the hitting approach this weekend because it seemed like, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned no extra base hits in the two games. It seems like they had two very different ap- approaches on Friday. Friday night they seemed to work counts. They took a lot of walks, uh, able to get deep in counts there. Saturday they were free swinging a little bit, and they were definitely swinging early at counts. What did you think of the adjustments they tried to make throughout the weekend? I don't. Part of it may have been panic mode. I think the other part was just kind of trying to ambush pitches in that second game. You had a guy, um, I forget his name, but he was going to be primarily a fastball guy. Um, that that's you were kind of looking for that pitch, um, and then outside of that, you would you were just kind of hoping that you were going to connect with something and and put the ball in play. I, I think the problem on Saturday was, and you've seen this offensively, not just with Auburn but with any team. Like you start to press a little bit too much, um, you realize that you're kind of running out of chances a bit, and that kind of leads to some mistakes. It leads to some, um, you know, bad at bats, um, and it you know ends up you know costing you. You're not able to produce any runs. So, yeah, a little bit of a different approach and uh, for both days. I think it was the Saturday was was more of a not necessarily panic, but it was more of just kind of you're just you're trying to do a little bit too much, but you honestly you had you had nothing to lose. You had to try something. Um, and you're just trying to get guys on, and it just honestly it, it was what it was at that point. 
And so, Kevin, this has been, in my opinion, a pretty volatile uh, regional cycle here as we've had several regional site teams go down, uh, including some SEC teams as Arkansas just went down a moment ago. Certainly Vanderbilt had went down uh, yesterday and one or two others. I mean, what have you thought about kind of all the chaos throughout these regionals? There's been, yeah, there's been a lot of chaos. I think Auburn, you know, was obviously, I think D1 Baseball called it a chaotic regional. Um, there have been a lot of surprises, but it's also the nature of this of the tournament. Like, things like this happen all the time when you have hot teams come in, um, when you have teams that just kind of click at the right time. You saw it last year with Ole Miss and what they did when they went on their road. I think it, you kind of, you kind of saw some um, some teams rise to the challenge, like Indiana State, even after after they were kind of behind the eight ball, but they managed to make the Super Regional for the first time. Southern Miss battling back out of Auburn Regional is a huge deal. I mean, battling back out of the loser's bracket is really tough, um, no matter what you do. And the fact that Southern Miss was able to do it, you have to commend them on that. Um, just We've had some pretty wild games. Weather delayed a lot of them. And that messed up with, with a couple of them, but... I mean, there's still a chance that, that you're going to have. I mean, LSU is going to make a super. Tennessee made a super. Alabama made theirs. Um, you know, there were just upsets up and down the board for some teams. Um, but then there were some that you were just like kind of – I think the biggest surprise to me, honestly, you mentioned the Arkansas. I think the Arkansas one is one of the bigger surprises to me, just how hot TCU was going into that regional and the fact that they absolutely just demolished everyone in that regional. Um, and it, it was just sort of a – not necessarily. I mean, it was pretty unexpected, but they went on a hot run. They're basically like Ole Miss was last year. They went on. They're going on a run in their tournament. They're kind of continuing that that magic that they had. Um, and it's just that's why I love this this tournament and that that format. Even though Auburn, you know, didn't uh, didn't go the way Auburn didn't go the way Auburn wanted it to, or I wanted it to as an Auburn fan. But the fact that college baseball has such a chaotic tournament um, and these upsets happen all the time, and there's so much energy and anticipation on every pitch because every pitch is so meaningful um just the way that the the term the tournament is set up and the format is set up it, it's just great it's just great baseball it's great viewing yeah tcu scored tcu scored 32 runs against arkansas in these last two games so that was pretty uh incredible to watch now kevin as we turn our attention to the auburn program at large what are some of the key decisions you're looking forward to uh, this summer in roster roster management, just kind of in, in terms of guys that uh, have decisions to make, whether to use an extra year or to go pro, uh, and just what this team needs to build off of this summer. Honestly, I think you you build off of the offensively, you build off that core of like Chris and Ike. Um, if guys go, then they, they you know if they want to transfer, I think we've only had really one guy that um, from that was on the previous roster that has transferred out, and that's. Um, um, the other Armstrong, Armstrong we didn't see, uh, Jordan Armstrong. Um, and so you, you want to see if anybody transfers out. Um, I don't know, you know, how many guys had that, that extra year, um, you know, because you still have some guys that are going to have a COVID year that they could take. Um, I think what you kind of look offensively, you, you I mean, what you look at it on a roster standpoint, is you just kind of give it some time. You see what happens in the draft, what guys are coming in, and you let guys make their own decisions what they want to do next. I personally don't even start looking at the roster um, until after fall ball because, and, and I was talking with some folks at the, the deck about this, you just don't know when it comes to base, college baseball in general because there are so many opportunities for guys to come in, to find playing time elsewhere, to have different opportunities, um, you know, from the draft, from grad transfers, from going to JUCO, 
uh, just transferring to other programs in general, that you really don't know until after the fall, and really you don't know until spring starts back because, um, you know, the, the baseball rosters are going to expand for a while, um, so there will be a lot of guys on the team before fall ball and before spring starts, and so you, you're going to have a lot more guys on the roster, and then it'll contract when you start to – um, when cuts start to get made, but right now you just watch the draft. You see who who Auburn actually if Auburn loses anybody to the draft, um, both from a a recruiting standpoint, like freshman incoming, um, and then guys on the team, and then you just kind of wait and see. Um, I mean, I know it's not the most exciting answer, but you just kind of kind of just have to see what you have in the spring, um, and then that's when you start to plan ahead and see everything, see what you have to. to to play with for the next season. Yep. And, you're, and you're talking about some of those freshmen, and there's three in particular right now that are committed to Auburn. Uh, Colt Emerson uh, from Ohio, Kevin McGonigal from Pennsylvania, and Bjorn Johnson from uh, the state of Washington. All three named Gatorade Player of the Year for their respective states. Uh, it seems like Colt Emerson and Kevin McGonigal are potential first-round major league picks. Um, maybe not so much for Bjorn Johnson, but uh, is there a chance – that these guys end up at Auburn, or do you think that's really kind of thinking too far ahead? No, there's always a chance, and I think it is a little bit different. The the baseball, when it comes to those guys, um, you know, when it comes to guys who are having to decide whether or not you're going to go to start your professional career or go to college, um, even if you're a first-round talent, it's, it's not necessarily something that you say that, I, um, that I'm going to, if I get drafted in the first round, that I'm going to go. Guys can, because the draft is so short um, now, the major league draft has been um, is a couple rounds less. Um, there are fewer minor league teams to kind of place guys on. Guys can be more selective. Um, even if you're a first round, you know, even if you get selected in the first round, you could still have a number. Um, and if your number that you have, the number being like what it will take as a signing number or contract number for you to not to pass up a chance to go to um, to go to school. Um, and just improve yourself even more and have that experience. Guys will have that number, and if that number is not met, or if they know that if a team knows that that number is too high, so they maybe shy away from in the draft, um, then they'll they'll come to a school. And so it's it's going to be a situation to where you see where these guys get drafted, and you kind of just wait and see if they ultimately sign. Because now Auburn is going to be an option for them, and it will stay an option for them. Um, and there's a lot of benefits to coming here, even if you are a first-round first round draft pick. There's still benefits of coming, especially like NIL stuff, um, especially with the way Auburn has developed players. There's a, there's, a, there's a definite benefit of coming to school for three years and having that experience um, and playing at Auburn for three or four years than spending five or six years to start your career um, when you're 18 or 19 in like single A ball and you're playing in like Charleston, West Virginia, or you're having to play rookie ball for like your first few years, um, and you're you're not really doing anything, um, or you're not really being tested, and you may kind of wash out wash out at that time. So you just got to kind of wait and see. I think the I think the Kevin McGonagall guy is the bigger guy that 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 may um, he would be the hardest one to bring on campus. But the other two, I think there's a good chance. Um, and if they come to Auburn, then you know more power to them. I'm going to be excited for them and for any of those guys. Like any of the guys on the roster, like as soon as they they put on a uniform, I'm going to love them to death because they're going to be Auburn Tigers. 
Yeah, it's something unique yeah. now to the uh, college baseball game where you're trying to recruit these highest guys, but yet they could end up just going pro. That's obviously what basketball used to deal with, but baseball uh, still has that system. So it's always a fascinating process. Well, Kevin, uh, we, we've certainly appreciated the time uh, talking to you throughout uh, this year. You've been uh, very generous with, with uh, talking to us every single week, and uh, we certainly wish you well throughout this off season. and uh, we, we can't wait for another season of Auburn baseball next year. But, again, the time's been greatly appreciated not only today but throughout the year. Thank you, guys. Yeah, next season will be here before you know it, so just get ready. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll have new stuff to, to look at inside of Plainsman oh, Park, yeah. too, with all the upgrades. Uh, appreciate it, Kevin. Absolutely. Not a problem, guys. That is Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Uh, kind enough to join us again on Sports Call today. Really appreciate him uh, for chatting with us each and every Monday throughout this baseball season. We need to take our next time out of the show. Back with more Sports Call right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry here with you this afternoon. Coming up in just a few minutes, best and worst of the weekend. Certainly appreciate Kevin Ives for joining us throughout the show, or on the show today, but also throughout the year, talking to us about some Auburn baseball. Again, a disappointing end for the Tigers this weekend at the Auburn Regional. Southern Miss did officially win the regional, defeating Penn today. Uh, So they will play Tennessee in the Super Regional. Again, another kind of even tougher element to swallow is that Auburn would have hosted a Super Regional, in fact, if they had gotten through this regional. But back to the drawing board for the Tigers uh, this offseason. Again, we've seen some chaos uh, in the college baseball tournament this year. Still feels like, even though baseball can be a little, little more chaotic, still feels like more than normal. Uh, going through the regionals, Florida was able to win today. They're through. South Carolina was able to win, so it's a Florida-South Carolina super. So, you know, you got an SEC team coming out there. Coastal Carolina and Duke are fighting out a winner-take-all right now. Coastal was the number 10 there. Virginia did win as the number 7. Number 6 seeded Vanderbilt. They were tossed immediately from Oregon. Uh, they, I don't think they got to the regional final in that one. I think Oregon slammed them out. Uh, before that, or I mean, they got to the regional final. But I'm saying they did not get to the if necessary game. Right. So Oregon got them pretty good. Oral Roberts took out, uh, well, technically Dallas Baptist took out Oklahoma State. Then Oral Roberts took out Dallas Baptist. So uh, you had a shocker there. Oral Roberts was the the four, I believe, yeah. uh, in that one. Uh, so that was a big big surprise. 
Uh, you had Indiana State, uh, which defeated uh, the likes of Iowa, North Carolina. They went through TCU upset number three Arkansas. We were talking about that. Obviously, Tennessee beat number four Clemson. Uh, of course, Auburn lost. Number 12, Kentucky and Indiana are in a ne- necessary game seven right now. Uh, the Wildcats and Hoosiers in that one. LSU did get past Oregon State today. Stanford and Texas A&M will have a winner-take-all later night. Stanford's the eight. Number nine, Miami lost. Texas, soon to be in the SEC, took out Miami. Alabama did not have a problem with Troy or Boston College. And then Wake Forest uh, drubbed everybody in their Winston-Salem Regional. So it's Wake Forest, Alabama in a super. Texas will wait on uh, the winner of A&M and Stanford. So it could get a Texas, Texas A&M, yeah. super regional. LSU play the winner of Kentucky, Indiana. It's Tennessee and Southern Miss. It's going to be number 14, Indiana State and TCU. Unranked Oral, or unseeded Oral Roberts in Oregon. The seven seed Virginia versus either 10 seeded Coastal Carolina versus or Duke. And then two and 15, Florida versus South Carolina. There's a lot of seedings yeah. uh, that lost. I think that was six regional hosts so far. Yeah. that have dropped and still a couple more uh, in winner take all so yeah. well and, and so i mean this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with uh with steve earlier and, and mainly in the game of baseball just a lot of things can happen and the small guys can be very successful in baseball we're sitting here watching coastal carolina versus duke well just a few years ago coastal carolina won the whole thing all right coastal carolina not north carolina not south carolina not north carolina state Coastal Carolina yep. won the national title in baseball a few years ago. You can have an Indiana State go to the World Series. You can have an Oral Roberts, a Dallas Baptist. Baseball is just one of those games that is just kind of an equalizer because you can have teams that are, are small school that can play baseball at a very high level. It doesn't always have to be LSU. It doesn't always have to be Texas. It's not going to always be them. And so the fact that Auburn got beat by Penn and the fact that Auburn got then beat by Southern Miss, that happens all the time. Now, yes, like you said, it sucks. Don't like it. I don't like any time Auburn loses, and I especially don't like when they lose to a smaller team because in your head you're like, it's Auburn. We should be better. Assert some dominance. You're right. It's Auburn University. Yeah. We should be better. We have better facilities than Penn. We should have better players than Penn. Well, in baseball, that's just not necessarily the case. I mean, you can have small-time uh, baseball teams with really good players that can compete at the highest level. And like I said, you've seen it with Coastal Carolina winning the whole thing just a few years ago. Well, and a point I'd like to make too, and I get that the SEC is uh, not as tradition-rich necessarily. Uh, They're certainly a dominant conference right now in the sport. They have been for more than a decade. But still, evidence of that is there is one major leaguer that is a Hall of Famer from an SEC school yeah. and Frank Thomas. And Auburn's very proud to boast that. But that tells you that as great as these programs are, and at some point they'll produce somebody that makes the Hall of Fame. But as great oh, yeah. as these programs are, you know, it is kind of a more recent deal. And clearly that's an entire power conference that had not produced a Hall of Fame player but one yeah. for X amount of time. I mean, however long these teams have been operating. And so – Clearly, it is uh, a more a, a more evenly distributed amount Absolutely. of success than these other sports because, as we talk about in baseball, just in general, you know, your physical traits are not as relevant to success, right? You know, I like 
Coastal Carolina can get the exact same size dude that anyone else can, right? And that he could end up having the same great hand-eye coordination that everyone else has. You know, I mean, there can be some stuff with with velocity, I suppose, pitching wise. But okay, I, you talk to baseball peers. How about you locate eighty nine? It's going to be just as effective as put ninety five down the middle sure. for a lot of people. So. Um, you know, it, not to say there's not some differences in these programs, right? There are. Well, sure. But, but again, just adding to your point that we've said it with Steve and with, with other callers several times. You know, if we're, if we're playing football and there's a 270-pound guy that's trying to get around a 320-pound guy, there's not many ways he's going to successfully do that, right. especially if you're in the interior line. We're not just talking on the edge, talking in the middle. And your D tackle's 270, and this guy's 320. Well, I can't just like dig a hole and go under the ground and then pop out right where the quarterback is. You're going to have to find a way to get around him. And it's not, there's not many ways to do that when you're 50, sure. 50 pounds less. And if someone runs a 4 3 and someone's trying to cover him running a 4 6, there's not a whole lot of ways that you're going to be able to outrun right. of someone's 4 3. You're going to have to guess right some. You're going to have to try and use physicality or some other way. But if you get in a straight line match, you're going to get left in the dust. And right. so there are other ways in football to. Just use athleticism to overwhelm somebody. And right. to some degree, you can do that in basketball, although shooting has become a great equalizer. But in baseball, it's just you can look like Sonny DeShera and look like you <laughs> ate 10 hot dogs before you came out there, and you can be the best player out right. there. Or you can be 5'7", and you can hit 20 home runs because you've got a great core and you always – have the right swing trajectory and all that like it does not yeah. it does not matter at all your your physicality and, and sure you can use speed to your advantage in some ways but again it just, you still got to get on base to use right. it you know well, you know and, and that's the thing is that especially down here in the south but i think even you know with a lot of people that follow college athletics around get into that football mentality and so yeah of course you know in football auburn is not going to lose to penn auburn is not going to lose to southern miss because yeah, you're just not going to do that. In baseball, that could very much happen, maybe kind of in basketball. The other thing I'm going to mention, though, is if you go through and you look at, at uh, pro rosters right now, if you just look in the major leagues, and I'm not talking about the guys that are from Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and Cuba. I'm talking about guys that are the American homegrown, played college baseball somewhere. If you compare that to football, if you look through football, obviously Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia – rosters are loaded with them but if you go through and you look at major league rosters of the american players and where they went to college it's all over the place there it's not loaded with dudes from lsu it's not dudes loaded with texas they come from small schools big schools d3 d2 juco i mean we, goodness gracious we were talking about in the birthdays of sports ray langford one of the, you know better baseball players in the majors he went to modesto junior college so you're going to have that in baseball. And so that's why I say that game of baseball itself is just a, a, a great equalizer because the smallest of the small can be just as successful as the biggest of the big. I, I will say this, Tom, to refute one point that you made. You said Auburn's not going to lose to Southern Miss in football. They almost did. Aub Auburn did. They did, didn't they? I thought Southern Miss won that game. Back, back when Brett Favre was yeah, their quarterback. Yeah, because they had Brett Favre as their quarterback, which yeah. is, is something of an equalizer in itself. Uh, but I, 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 I saw this, Southern Miss almost beat Georgia. They they uh, kicked a field goal that doinked off the uprights at the same mm -hmm. time when Barrett Favre was playing. But 
maybe Southern Miss is the different example, but let, right. let's just yeah. say Penn. Yeah, absolutely. Auburn is not going. Auburn is Auburn is not going to lose a football game to an Ivy League team. Right. That's just not going to happen. But I, I have this philosophy that I, I try to apply with sports. Do you want sports to be entertaining or do you want them to be predictable? Because, like Ryan, you said this to Steve earlier. If things just worked out the same way every time and the better players won every time, there'd be no reason to play the games. You can just get sure. you can go, you can write the roster down on paper, you can say, well, this guy's clearly better than this guy, clearly they win. And there's no there's no reason to play the games. But if that's all it took, then we would we wouldn't have this job. We wouldn't have I, I really, frankly, most of the schools in the SEC wouldn't be nearly as big as they are. We wouldn't have this this product. We wouldn't have these industries of sports that we all love. So you're right. Sometimes things happen, and it's unpredictable, and that's why it's fun. It's unscripted entertainment, and uh, when there's not a script, Twitter, NBA, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, when there's not a script, you never know what's going to happen, even if you think, you know. Uh, you, you try and do your best to predict it. That's why we're on here, to try and sort things out the best we can. But If uh, you think you know, then go put money on it. Maybe you can make something. Yeah. You know? I even if I think and I and even then I won't do it. Yeah, not, no, not I absolutely I, will not. Uh, even if I've coughed about something, because that then I'll just believe I I jinxed it to be wrong. So uh, I'm not doing that. But yes, if you feel the need to do that, you're confident you can. All right, before we go, I, I don't know if we'll even have another break at this point. So, uh, but if we don't, let's go ahead and get to today's uh, best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No. No! No! Of the weekend. All right, Tom, you have a great best. You yeah. want to save it for last? You want to go first? No, let's, let's go ahead and do it. So right. in the uh, uh, the Women's College World Series with Stanford, that one of their best players is Sidney Steele. And uh, they had this whole thing. Uh, on They showed it on SportsCenter. They talked about it. Her sister Haley Steele is in the crowd holding a sign up that said, that's my sis. Well, Haley Steele was in the College World Series with Arizona State. And her sister at the time, a little girl, was holding up a sign that looked exactly the same that said, that's my sis, Haley Still. Well, that's really cool. What's cool to me is I'm friends with Haley Still. Oh. So Haley Still was a grad assistant here at Auburn uh, under Clint Myers. She played under Clint Myers at Arizona State and went to two College World Series, came here to Auburn, to work on a uh, graduate degree and she was a grad assistant with the softball program i think she worked at skybar but if uh, either that but i mean i know she was dating a buddy of mine who, that was a bartender at skybar came into fat daddies all the time i became really good friends with haley she signed a softball uh for us that we actually had up on the bar there and uh me and her the two of us have actually chatted on facebook about uh her sister sydney being out there in the college world series and how cool it is and all this stuff and then all of a sudden Haley and sydney are all over sports and i'm like oh my gosh that's cool that's my friend Haley. it's now Haley simon she got married not too long ago but just so cool seeing that and the other thing is i remember Haley talking to me about sydney because you know i was at that time, I was like, you know, hey, you know, is Sydney going to come to Auburn? Because she was a superstar in high school out in California. And she was kind of looking at, at coming to Auburn, but then there were the, the different things with the Myers, and uh, she kind of decided to go to Stanford instead. But uh, just so cool. See, it, it, the whole story itself is just really cool, but then the fact that that's a friend of mine 
that spent time here at Auburn. A lot of people don't even realize that Haley Steele that they've been showing all on that was a grad assistant here for Auburn softball. But nice, just such a cool little story. Yeah, absolutely. Like good. That's a very good best. Brant? Uh, so my best of the weekend is going to be on Sunday. Uh, a big story in baseball this year is uh, Liam Hendricks. Uh, he was He's a reliever for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, got diagnosed with cancer sometime uh, in the offseason, I think it was. Um, and actually, a couple of weeks ago, uh, was uh, d- officially declared in remission. He is uh, over his cancer. Uh, and he started pitching again for the White Sox. On Sunday, it was World Cancer Survivor Day, and he ended up getting the win out of the bullpen. So on on uh, World Cancer Survivor Day, he gets his first win of the MLB season after coming back from a battle with cancer. So a really cool story there from Liam Hendricks. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. Um, I, you know, man, the, that's the, a good the, one. The thing, dude, there's so many. There were so many good things that happened this weekend. Yeah, that that was my favorite that I gave. But there's a guy from Duke that hit two home runs. Duke baseball hit two home runs on a Paul torn ACL. Kind of like a, what was that? Elko from Ole Miss right. the other year. Uh, you've you've got uh, what happened with the Braves uh, with Rosario hitting a grand slam. There, the Braves are yeah. down by one with two outs in the ninth inning, and Rosario hits a grand slam to put them up. That's the best. What this dude from TCU? I can't. I don't even know his name right now. But I mean, the performance that that kid from TCU is putting up. You know, the other day with three home runs, including two grand slams. That's the best. Uh, Do I get to give my best? No, gonna get, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to give them all. Okay. Uh, okay, go ahead. I still have one that you didn't name, I don't believe, unless I've zoned out for eight seconds there. Like I do over here? Uh, so, well, yeah, sometimes. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, it's a three-hour show. It's bound to happen at some point. It is. Um, so Victor Hovland, uh, who won the uh, Memorial Tournament yesterday, uh, Victor Hovland, uh, third career win, I think, on the PGA Tour, uh, won Jack's tournament yesterday, big deal. Less than 24 hours after he won the Memorial, which I think is his biggest tournament win to date, uh, won $3.6 million. He went and caddied 36 holes at the U.S. Open qualifying for his former college teammate. He had oh, originally cool. committed to uh, to caddying for his buddy. Obviously, U.S. Open qualifying is a big deal. You, get, you have a lot of different people that are able to at least attempt to qualify. And so Victor Hovland didn't big-time it at all, uh, even though he won $3.6 million. Uh, yesterday and, and won the memorial. Uh, still went out and caddied 36 holes today. Uh, also, just the premise of a professional golfer who decidedly does not have to carry their own bags to then right. go and carry someone else's bag uh, shows a form of humility right there. So uh, good on Victor Hovland for uh, just not big time in anybody and not his friend and, and just kind of saying, you know what, I, I made a commitment, I'm going to stick to it. So Since, since we're talking about this string of good things, uh, another golf story that I found pretty interesting, uh, Rose Zhang, I think is how you pronounce her yep. last name, but uh, she is, I think she's a senior at Stanford right now, but uh, over the weekend competed in her first professional golf tournament on the LPGA Tour and actually won the thing, uh, won, her, won her very first professional tournament. Uh, so congratulations to, to Rose on her, you know, like, just, like a senior in college and – winning an LGPGA, LGPGA event, excuse me. Uh, LPGA. But LPGA, I, my goodness. I, we, we knew what we, we were getting Did I say at. GPA? I think so. And that's I what see. you're going to have in the fall. Hey, hey. going back to grad school. So, by the way, MJ Metz is the player from Duke. He hit three home runs in that game. We were talking about that on a tornado sale. As we were talking about him, he just hit another home run right here on the TV as we were talking about him. Talk about a Beetlejuice moment. Yeah. I Beetlejuiced another home run out of MJ Metz and his torn ACL. <laughs> All 
All right, uh, real quickly here, worst of the weekend. Auburn baseball. Short and sweet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard for it to be anything sweet. else, right? I, I can't. I yeah. I, well, yeah. I mean, I, the only thing that was good about Auburn baseball this weekend was the atmosphere that the fans put into Plainsman Park, and then the baseball team just crapped all over it. So thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, Brent. Same worst. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the same. Like like Tom said earlier, there's a lot of good, but not a whole lot of bad. And that means that you know at least Tom and I are gonna share the worst. Just a, a rough weekend for a, a rough end to a an otherwise good season. I think up and down season. I, right. I uh, I cooked my uh, cooked up my worst of the weekend first. I kind of put it in the crock pot, let it simmer a little bit. Uh, so I had this one before I actually had the best because the best happened today with Victor Hovland still caddying for 36 holes. Uh, my worst was from the Auburn Regional. It was in a game that did not involve Auburn, though. It was Penn and Southern Miss last night. Yes. Yeah, the bases were loaded. It was a big situation for the Penn Quakers. They were trying to, to take a lead or extend the lead. I can't remember which one. And bases loaded full count. And a violation on the hitter. Oh, yeah. Called by the umpire yep. for not being ready and alert with 10 seconds left on the pitch clock. Struck, strike three, inning over. That is awful. Uh, that is, I finally, it took, it took two or three months for pitch clock. And I, I, I like pitch clock overall. I do. Uh, I said I let it go for a few months before I determine it's a few months here's my determination I like it I think the pace of play is appropriate uh, I think it helps out I think it's good I think it's, it creates a more uh, more watchable product for for everyone not just baseball purists uh, however this, this part of the rule needs to change because it's not that you have to be in the batter's box you have to be what's deemed ready and alert Right. Which is somewhat of a judgment call. But why is that necessary? If you're I think it should just be if you're in the box. If you're in the box, you're ready to hit in right. theory. So if the pitcher is gonna pitch and you're just kind of looking down, kicking some dirt, that's on the hitter. Right. That shouldn't be like a penalty. If you're if you're the pitcher, you should see uh, you know, they do that so that they don't trick the pitcher into thinking, oh, he's got more time than he has. I, I still think that's irrelevant. I think it, the pitcher should know if you're in the box, you're that's your kind of acknowledgement, you're ready to hit if you're in the box. So you need to be in the box by a certain time, not what's deemed to be, oh, he's, he's paying attention, now you can throw it. No, I, I think that's a really poor rule. I'm not saying the rule was applied poorly last night, although I still have my questions. I don't think it was an obvious. I mean, he was still right next to the plate, you know, kind of doing a bat waggle in the process of looking up as it was called. So it's still, again, it was kind of quick. It was definitely right at 10 seconds. I just don't like that part of the rule. I think it's doing a little bit too much. Right. I think if you're simply in the batter's box with 10 seconds, that's enough acknowledgement. And, hey, if you're in the batter's box and, the, and you're not looking, that's on you. Pitcher can throw. No. Uh, so, I don't. again, that seems like a way – to protect hitters from themselves, but then also by penalizing them if they're not willing. You know what I'm saying? I just I think that part of it's extra. I, I, you got something to rebuttal? No, 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 no. I know I'm I'm not going to rebuttal. But where I would like to kind of see a, a change with that is, uh, okay, now if the pitcher's taking too long, then you know that's on him. You know, yeah. get on the mound and, and let's go. 
the umpire still has the ability to say play ball. If the pitcher's ready, the catcher's ready, the umpire's ready, if the if the batter is even not in the box, if he's just over here fiddle farting around with his gloves and tapping the dirt and looking up at stars and everything and, and everybody else is ready to go, play ball. And if you're not in the box and you're ready to go, we're play ball. And and if you fire one right down the middle and you're not there for it, then that's a strike. Now, if you miss and you throw a ball and you're not in the plate, well, then congratulations, you just got to walk. You weren't even in the batter's box. But it should be up to the umpire. It's like, hey, we're, we're, down to, we're down to five seconds. Here we go. Play ball. Fire one in there. If the batter's ready to go, then you're ready to go. If you're not, then so sorry. Get your butt in the box and let's go. Yeah. I, I just... But to give them a freebie... I don't like that. Just to go, nope, Tom, you're out. And you wonder. I, I don't. I don't like that. You wonder if it'll get amended at some point because, as all rules that get introduced, sometimes they're not foolproof, and sometimes they have an unintended consequence, uh, un- unintended consequence, or a sequence that is not what was intended. And I could see them adjusting that at some point because, again, I know what the purpose is, but I think the purpose is being too favorable towards uh, I don't even know to, I guess to the hitter because you like you're the I, the purpose is to let make the pitcher or, or let the pitcher be aware that kind of there's a time element going mm-hmm. on like you're down because that hitter's got to be ready by 10 seconds so you, you know when he's ready you've got at least 10 seconds right. or more but if you've got a 20 second clock uh if you just simply return it to the hitter must be in the box at 10 seconds, well, then you know that you've still got at least 10 seconds. And if he never leaves the box, all right, still, he's in the box. You go at your speed. If you're in danger of 20 seconds, you'd be in danger of 20 seconds whether he'd be ready or not. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Like, like if he's if you're just waiting on him being in the box and being ready, then obviously you've had time to burn during this process. But if that's actually impacting your timing, then that then or or it's, if it's not impacting your timing, that means you're taking too long already. So I I, I don't like that. I don't like that it happened in an important moment. Uh, Southern Miss ended up scoring eight million runs late in that game, and it might not have mattered at all. But uh, I still don't like that that part of the rule. And I finally found something to pick at with the pitch clock. So uh, not a fan of that. That would be my worst. Only a couple minutes left in the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. All right, Women's College World Series tonight. Florida State in Tennessee. That's 6 o'clock if Florida State wins. They are on to the championship series to play Oklahoma. If Tennessee wins, they'll do it all over again just after that. You got the NHL Stanley Cup Finals Game 2 tonight. Las Vegas Golden Knights lead 1-0 after a demonstrative third period in Game 1 where they scored three goals to uh, break a 2-2 tie. So Game 2 in Vegas tonight against the Florida Panthers. That one's on TBS. Got more college baseball. The Stanford Regional, 8 o'clock ESPN2. Winner go home for the Stanford Cardinal and the Texas A&M Aggies. Couple movie picks for you. The Green Mile, 6 o'clock on AMC. And Anchorman at 9 o'clock. That one is on Paramount. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Brant, thank you for being here, sir. We'll see you again later this week. Thank you for having me. And Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'll be here. 
And, of course, we thank Kevin Ives for being on the show today and, of course, throughout the baseball season talking all things Auburn baseball with us. And we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in today. For Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Loy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.